The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth that they had faith in you. And you. You are now locked into the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. Go to rotofanatic.com today and check out our projections. Click on the tab at the top of the page and go to town. It's episode 80, the Andrew Susak edition. Today it's a Rotofanatic special. We have two guys who are the brains behind the entire rotofanatic.com operation. We would not have the data monster or our kick ass projections without these two guys. Settle in for some good times and some great fantasy baseball analysis with Paul Mamino and Crosby Spencer. Join your host, Michael Govier, as Crosby, Paul, and Michael dive into some insane fantasy takes, provide further analysis of the data monster, and we get a behind-the-scenes look at how Crosby Spencer comes up with his projections. You're in the right place at the right time. This Palazzo pod is going to kick some ass. Take it away, boys! Welcome into the Hands of Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We live stream the show on YouTube, Facebook Live, and Periscope until Periscope goes away at the end of March, which is like a week or two away. So Periscope already went away. Well, they said at the end of March they're officially going away. They are going away for good, but we're still using Periscope. They're still active until March 31st, so that's another way to find us. We'll just switch over to Twitch or something after that, but... Mainly the YouTube channel is the best way to find us. You can re-watch old shows if you like. And, of course, I'm on Twitter at MJGovier and Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Utah. Twitter. Give me two. And you can go to our bio to find the YouTube link as well if you need to understand how to find us on YouTube. Or you can type in Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Today, I got my Rotofanatic buddies here with me, Michael Govier and Paul Mamino and Crosby Spencer. It's a Rotofanatic family reunion. It's really exciting. Paul, how you doing? We're doing good, man. Uh, can't complain. Just ready for the season to actually get started. Yes, uh, boy, I am. I'm feeling that, Crosby. I mean, you've been crunching a ton of numbers, just burning the midnight oil, constantly, constantly taking in information about baseball. How are you keeping up on everything while still crunching numbers from the past to bring us present results and possibly future results? Yeah, it's been tough. Um, during uh from gosh from december through uh just a couple of weeks ago when we came out with the uh uh came out with the uh uh our uh, our numbers the uh our projections excuse me the i had completely fallen behind 
I mean, I, I hadn't been keeping up with any news. Um, but then we had the TGFBI draft and uh, had to scramble for that to get ready for it. So I uh, kind of have to go in from crunching numbers mode into research mode, analysis mode, uh, catch up with, the, with, with all the news and, you know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, been able to do that and kind of get caught up on what's what's going on out there. Yeah, that's got to be a tough for you, man. I mean, those of you that don't know, we've talked about it on this show. RotoFanatic.com, Crosby basically was the brains behind the current projections that we now have on our website. You can go to RotoFanatic.com and click at the link on the top of the page that says projections. Crosby has, you'll never know. Nobody could probably understand how much work you put into it. I mean, it's a stupid amount of work. And there's no way for us to quantify it or kind of retell that tale on this show. <laughs> so that's why I'm trying to let the people know how hard Crosby put, how much time he put in, how much he gave himself, which sacrificed the current information coming in from spring training, which is a ample. You know, there's a lot to take in, lineups, uh, who's stealing jobs, things like that. And we'll cover all of that today on our show. We'll also talk about some insane fantasy takes, even though... Crosby's a busy boy, and so is Paul. Paul's, both these guys are two, if not the biggest, probably the best brains behind everything we do at Roto Fanatic. The data monster is all Paul really is. I mean, when we talk about the nuts and bolts and the guts of that thing, that's Paul Mamino. So, P Mamino Fantasy on Twitter. Is it P Mamino Fantasy or just P Mamino? Yep, P Mamino Fantasy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah that's you. And Crosby, you're Crosby Spencer number one. At Crosby Spencer numero uno. And today's show, we'll talk about some crazy takes. We'll put it out there. We'll, I want to get these guys on the record before the season starts. We'll do some predictions as well with Shine to Ride the Pine. We'll talk about some ADP scenarios and, uh, you know, players that we don't want to draft or we're trying to avoid at all costs if we can. And, of course, uh, you can email the show, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. We welcome your feedback and input on the show it's a pleasure to do the show every time we get to do this. It really is. People think it's a joke or, you know, it's a lot of hype, but I really miss the show when I don't get to do it. And talking with these two guys today is, we're going to learn a lot. I know it because they're very knowledgeable. So, Paul, before we get into all the bullshit, uh, tell us one thing about yourself that we should know. Um, wow. Uh, I, I mean, I've mentioned it on, on different podcasts before, but I mean, I'm wearing my Wagner baseball hoodie. But uh, I guess one thing that maybe not that many people know is that I did I did pitch in college and, um, you know, I wasn't very good or anything, but uh, I did get to play against a couple current big leaguers now, which is kind of cool. Wow. See, that is cool as hell. I know that, but I'm still amazed by it. Crosby, what about you? What's something we should know about you beyond the, you know, fantasy baseball? Tell us something we don't know. Well, kind of on the same uh, same path. I played uh, college ball at uh, Fullerton College, went on to UC Riverside. Uh, the high school squad was one of the most amazing programs in the country, uh, consistently in the top 10 uh, preseason rated uh, senior year, was lucky enough to um, play at Dodger Stadium and, and uh, take on the 5A championship. Uh, we had guys on the team like uh, Phil Nevin, uh, you know, a couple wow. of years later became the number one overall pick. Tigers. Uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, actually, uh, he started out with the Astros. He was the uh, number one. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, we also had uh, Pete Janicki, who was, um, I believe, the number nine overall pick out of UCLA um, by the Angels. He had some unfortunate injuries, but uh, in all, we ended up having three guys make the bigs from the high school team. I played college ball with Steve Traxel and, and uh, you know, the, the whole area where I grew up, Southern California, is just a 
a baseball area. Um, Didn't Steve Traxel give up like uh, a big home run, like to Mark McGuire or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he, he did, and he loves to talk about it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's sarcasm, I assume. Yes. Yeah. No, he's a good guy, though. He's a good guy. During first part of COVID, our our uh, our uh, Fullerton team, uh, we were a pretty tight knit group, so we actually had a uh, uh, Zoom. Uh, I think like three weekends in a row uh, where we all got together and, and uh, kind of drank and, and hung out with each other and told old stories with some of the coaches and some of the players. It's a real good time. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. I think everybody who has a group of friends probably did that. Cause I, we called ours COVID cast and we did that for probably a couple months. So we just had it on every night. Whoever wanted to show up, you know, come pop on in and somebody had to pay the $15 a month. So they could be multiple people on zoom at once and, Eventually it faded out because even when you were lonely, hanging out with people on Zoom gets boring. It happens. Yes. Yeah. That's only so much you can do, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Vince is like, I just want to play video games. Leave me alone. You know, I don't want to talk tonight. So yeah, not uh, everybody can talk as much as you can, Mike. Well, I don't I don't love to talk really. You know, that's a fun fact about me. I like doing the shows and I I'm pretty good at doing this, but I don't talk I don't talk a lot. I'm not a talker. I'm really not. I, I, in fact, I think Crosby's much more of a talker than I am, to be honest with you. But I'm definitely on, a talker, but uh, yeah, it's my first, my virgin voyage on a podcast, so we'll see. We'll see how that rolls. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm really happy. This is Crosby's debut. This is like his first real podcast, so we're always going to have that, and it's going to be a special bond between us. So I'm glad you're on here, Crosby. You really want to. Both of you guys. We're all underrated in a sense, in my opinion, but both of you guys in particular, I think, are very underrated in this business. And sooner or later, another year or two, hell, maybe one of you guys will be working for a franchise. Who's to say? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Crosby and I are a little older. Paul, you're younger, so maybe, uh, you know, you'll be one of those young guys because they're going to pay you shit. You're not going to pay yeah, you. Exactly. That's, the, that's the big problem. <laughs> I remember like three or four years ago, I was like all in on, you know, applying for every single thing I could find. And then I realized, you know what? I don't know if I can afford to do that. Right. Yeah. I actually applied. <laughs> I was just screwing around a couple years ago. I applied for like a Mariners front office position. I didn't live anywhere near close to Seattle. It was so dumb. I just saw it on like a LinkedIn or something. I was like, oh, hey, why not? You know, but clearly I had no chance. I, uh. I did have like a, I was like apparently a, a finalist for a job with the commissioner's office like three years ago, but uh, oh, they shit. gave it to somebody else. Yeah, it was cool. I got to, uh, I got to get interviewed by by Chris Young. Remember the the six ten pitcher, the Chris big Young. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to not I, the outfielder. No, not the outfielder, Chris Young. Chris yeah. B Young. Yeah, this yes, is Chris Tall Young. <laughs> yeah, I got to talk <laughs> with him a little bit. It was cool. It was it was fun. Like it was uh, it was actually working with like helping them uh, figure out some of the potential rule changes and stuff like that. So like all, all the stuff that like came through, that's probably what I would have been doing. All the recent like AAA stuff that's coming through or minor league, uh, minor league stuff. I would have been like working on stuff like that, but I ended up not getting it. Wow, that is not cool, man. I like the sound effects, man. Oh, yeah, you know, it's part of the show. Keeps things interesting. But I'm shocked to hear that. You should have been a part. Chris Young, you made a mistake. You should have hired this guy. But hey. That just means you're going to get a better opportunity down the road. And I forgot yeah, exactly. that Chris Young was a part of the commissioner's office now. He, yeah, he think, hooked up with him. Is he, he's either still with them or wasn't he getting some GM interviews or something like that this past oh, year? Oh, did he switch over then? I know he I started out commissioner's office yeah, and then he, he may have switched gears. Yeah, right after playing, he ended up working with them. It was cool. Yeah. Well, Chris Young. Yeah, 
social career. He was a streamer. Honestly, he was more of a streamer. If we're talking fantasy baseball, I wasn't somebody I think I ever really drafted. Uh, yeah. Unless it was a really small, a bigger league, like a 15 team league, then I probably would have drafted him. So, yeah. Sorry, a, Chris. Nothing uh, personal. Team, right? 15 the, team uh, AL West That was the other tall guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mark Hendrickson. He was a tall dude as well. Remember him? Yeah. yeah. Uh, was he the Ray for a while there? When they were the Devil Rays? Is that the guy? Yeah. He yes. was. Yeah. yeah, he he bumped, he jumped around a lot. So yeah, I hope yeah. you're all enjoying this memory lane down Tall Pitcher <laughs> Avenue, Tall Pitcher Boulevard. This is the it's Regal Plaza Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Don't forget, we're part of the Rota Fanatic Podcast Network. We say that every show. Now we have two guys from Rota Fanatic on the show, so we got three of uh, how many people do we have total? I think we have ten, something eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, Phil Goyad and uh, Michael Richards are also part of the crew. Of course, Mister Doctor, Mike Carter, Dave Funnel. And then, of course, Matt Williams, Carme Arano, and uh, I don't think I left anyone. Did I leave someone out? Oh, I didn't want to leave anybody out. I didn't want to be disrespectful. But we have a. I don't think you left anybody out. I don't think I did. We got a tight crew there, and uh, we do our best to provide you guys with top-notch content. So, I want to talk about the Data Monster and the projections real quick. So, Paul, tell people why the Data Monster will help them this year in the most efficient way possible. Um, I mean, I think it's just a different way of thinking about. how different events actually happen in a baseball game. Um, I think one of the things that we we have a hard time with is is understanding what you know command and control are, and from a pitcher standpoint, I think that's one of the biggest things that the uh, the data monster can do for you. Um, it kind of understands and, and breaks out different components into like a command side of things, and kind of a pure stuff kind of uh, side of things. And I think it it helps us to better understand why certain players got better, why certain things changed, like why a hitter might be swinging out of the zone a little more often or why a pitcher might be able to generate a few more called strikes than he had in the year before. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing is it helps you understand the different components that underlie, um, you know, everything that happens in a baseball game. Beautiful. The Dana Monster, I told people this on the show before, it even confused me. I was very confused by it, but you take your time and you really dive into it, you play with it, it becomes a lot clearer to understand. And there's a lot of different things you could do with it, like prospect outcomes and with the historical data added as well, you can go back and look at what players have been doing over multiple years. And really, I think that gives a big advantage to trying to unpack, you know, the goofiness of the 2020 season, the short sample size and how hard it is to understand it all. That That's what that's what the Data Monster does best. It says, hey, look, this is what this guy's been doing. And hopefully you can dismiss it or decide to include it based on your own opinion as well. It's it's just another tool in the toolbox, I think. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, like any other any other stat or any anything like that. It's not a. I'll never say it's the be all end all. It's more just a. Um, how can you know? What is this telling me that something else isn't telling me? Or, or again, when a hitter makes a big change with with their swing rate in zone or something like that, or they become a lot more passive, is there a reason for that, or is that actually a change in approach kind of thing? Bingo, uh, Crosby. With the projections, uh, I, let's just keep this efficient and simple. Uh, what should people know about the work that goes into you creating your projections for Roto Fanatic? Well, so th- some of them makes uh, I think a big difference from uh, other projections. Now, obviously, I'm not there to break down how they do everything. I don't know what's going on uh, behind the scenes, but you know, it's essentially using surface stats, right? So you're you might be taking a look at three year averages. Uh, you're taking a look at surface stats. Maybe when there's a um, when there's a team change uh, or a setting change of some sort, you know, some ad- extra guys added to the lineup that beef it up, like in Toronto. You know, you might be playing with some numbers and and 
and uh, coming up with uh, you know some new stats on that. Mine has absolutely nothing to do with surface stats, right? So it's basically taking every single batted ball that's been hit in baseball since the StatCast era uh, and breaking them into ground balls, line drives, fly balls, pop-ups, uh, and their exit velocity, their launch angle. Um, were they hit by a left-handed batter, a right-handed batter? Were they pulled? Were they centered? Were they hit the opposite way? And it basically breaks every single batted ball event into uh, a percentage outcome. What percentage of them were singles, doubles, triples? Um, then to go along with that, you know, there's um, there's also uh, speed factors. Uh, how does someone's sprint speed play into, you know, obviously uh, Albert Pujols hits the ball down the line. He's not getting uh, a double or a triple uh, the same way that a, a Trey Turner is, right? So. You have to incorporate those in there. Uh, and then you've got your schedule factors, right? So, yeah, your ballpark plays a, a pretty big part into um, uh, into your output, but the schedule in general that you play, um, your other opponents in league, uh, your, your uh, interleague opponents. So basically I took all of that, uh, boiled it down, put them uh, into – this year's lineup, this year's schedule on this year's team, and I took all their batted ball events in 2018, 19, and 20 as if they were playing all of those games with this year's schedule on, on this year's team and this year's um, ballparks and got a three-year uh, average stats. Um, you know, you kind of weight that accordingly to, uh, to nearest to, uh, you know, 2020 has a different weight than a 19 than an 18. But what's really kind of stands out differently is that it's kind of like having three seasons or at least two, uh, two and a third seasons of, of this year's schedule on this year's team. Um, and kind of gets to almost do a simulation, if you will, of, of how they've hit the ball, you know, and it, it, uh, it allows you to see a big difference between an Arenado playing in Colorado and an Arenado playing uh, not just in St. Louis, but St. Louis's schedule. That's what really matters. I mean, yes, St. Louis as a uh, not such a great hitter's ballpark does matter. That puts a dent. Um, but, you know, as the schedule goes, just to give an extreme example, if his other half of the games were played in Milwaukee, well, it wouldn't be that bad. Uh, they're obviously not, but you have to weigh them um according to how that schedule goes and, and and that's what these uh these projections do wow shit that's intense that that is so fetch that is pretty damn cool man <laughs> i must say i how do you I, i've ripped on projections at times like i don't really use them as much like you're putting them out there but i would assume you use them as your own kind of baseline to go off of making your own choices in fantasy drafts, right? Yeah, as a baseline, right? It's not, it's not, um, it's a jumping off point. Um, you know, and when it comes down to it, these are kind of, it, it, it's basically the mean of a certain number of possible outcomes, right? So, you know, and there's, you know, and some of this, some of this, I don't even, some of them I don't necessarily agree with. This is math, right? This is, so, for instance, especially with the young players and the guys that don't have as much um, as many batted ball events in major leagues, in the major leagues as, as you know, some of the veteran players over the last three years, uh, 
Um, you know, like a like a Dom Smith, right? I have a oh pretty boy. low projection for him. Uh, something in the off the top of my head, low two sixties or something, and and uh, twenty one home runs, something like that. That doesn't really register uh, how he's grown as a player. 2018 was abysmal for him in both the minors and the majors. Um, he, he quite frankly just he didn't stack up. And if you remember, in, you know, in, in, in 2019 and, and even uh, in 2020, it wasn't you know the shine was kind of off of him. It wasn't like we were all clamoring about Dom yeah. Smith. No, uh, we weren't. Yeah, we kind of wondered, you know, what when is the power going to come? When is this? When is that? When is, when is the scouting going to equate into stats, right? Um, and it, it kind of has the last couple of years, right? Uh, 2020, uh, it kind of showed him as basically what his surface stats were. Not quite, but but almost. Um, so I, I tend to believe that being, you know, the these younger players who are adapting and coming up, that they're becoming a little bit more like they were in, in 2020 and certainly 2019 when we had larger sample sizes for a lot of them. So, you know, Dom Smith is one that just on the math doesn't tell the whole story. Um, but, uh, you know, the, it gives you, it gives you, an, it gives you a leaping off point. Genius, genius, genius. Damn. That is great stuff. Dom Smith, Paul, instant analysis, Dom Smith in or out this year. I'm pretty much out on him, and it's not a skill thing. It's more just a I am not sure if he's going to get as many at-bats as I would hope he would get. Um, I mean, it was a positive for him that the Mets kind of just went out and signed a bunch of not actually good center fielders, just guys <laughs> that have played center field in the past. Um, but, I mean, Pilar is at least a little bit better than you know some of the other guys they signed. But I, I think that Smith without a DH concerns me a lot. Yeah, we need the National League DH, man. We really do. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players that would be yeah significantly benefited from it. And, and him and – I mean, the Mets probably have two of the best options with him and J.D. Davis should probably both not be in the field, but they can't do that, so. Right. Uh, yeah. By the way, the Roto Fanatic projections, as Crosby was alluding to, for Dom Smith, 20 home runs, 249 average, 307 OBP, 430 slugging. So that's definitely below an average that a lot of people, I assume, would project for him. But like Crosby said, this is math. This is not his opinion. He's just going off what happened with those other years where we were like, well, Dom Smith, he's pretty much post-post, no hype. It's over. Yeah, if you're going to do – I mean, if you're going to include a kind of a three-year – you have to include 2018. You know, I I look at this stuff, and even if I disagree with it, I don't want to step on it. This is not – Hey, what is your what is Crosby Spencer's best opinion of things that he's going to take into account and not into account? If you're going to do the math, do the math. Don't 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 go stepping on stuff. Yeah, I respect that. It's just straight up, no chaser, guys. Just math. If you love math, you love nerds. Then you're going to love our projections. Trust me, Crosby and Paul, two of the biggest nerds you will ever meet. Yeah, that's probably fair. I said that. It's very fair. Sweetest way possible, of course. The, the most loving way possible, right? Yes, absolutely. Of course. Yes, it's a term of endearment, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. You know, these days, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in this industry, for damn sure, no doubt yeah, about it. Exactly, but. yeah, definitely. Because yeah. um, we have a question. Uh, what would you, I mean, I guess you kind of went with it, but two things with projections. Who was the one that probably stood out the most, like, that you didn't expect? I guess on the high side. Let's go with, you know, Smith was on the low side. Who's the guy on the high side? 
Oh boy. Uh, you were talking to hitters or yeah, pitchers? Let's, let's go hitters. Like, you know, what was one guy that when it spit out the numbers, you were like, you know, shocked? Um, I don't know if I would say shocked on Luis Robert, right? He's got uh, um, he's got a pretty good pretty good track record of the minors. Um, boy, it's really hard to tell. It's it's uh, taking a look at it. Nothing shocks Crosby. At oh, all. he's not well, easily shocked. No, I mean obviously how much Yelich, how much Yelich stood out, right? Yeah. And that kind of goes into uh, the fact that you know 2019 was the most recent full-time uh, plate appearances that we have for these guys, right? So even if you had an amazing 2019 or an abys- or 2020 or an abysmal 2020, I mean, it's 200 and something plate appearances, uh, you know, two, the equivalent of 650 full-time plate appearances in 2019 is the equivalent of 241 uh, in 2019. It's nothing. Uh, it, it, it doesn't have that big of an impact. So you'll see that come out, you know, a lot of, a lot of the numbers kind of actually look like if you were preparing for a draft for 2019 with guys like a Rosarena and Eloy, or not Eloy, but a uh, uh, Reina and some of the other rookies that you know sprinkled in uh, that kind of you know made a splash in in uh, in 2020. Um, but as far as like guys that I didn't see coming. The reason why that doesn't hasn't really happened is because I am in these spreadsheets all the time, and I'm literally doing um, week by week uh, updates of this stuff for the last couple three years. Mm-hmm. So nobody is really jumping off the page. Uh, the only ones that really have an opportunity to do that are you know guys that go from a Colorado to um, uh, to a St. Louis or guys that go from you know, Tampa Bay and Detroit to Colorado. So that's that, I guess that might answer one CJ Crone, um, you know, really jumps off the page. Um, you know, that guy's, uh, got a value that's, that's, you know, I've got him at, uh, on 500 plate appearances, you know, going more like a guy that would go in the, you know, 120s and he's going, at least he was in the three hundreds. I think that's gone up quite a bit. Uh, over yeah, the last I saw him at uh, 202 in a draft I did on yeah. Friday. 202. Yeah, he's, he's starting to move up to the, the early 200s. Yeah, and if he gets that job, it's well-deserved, right? Yeah. So, you know. 100%, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that kind of makes the most sense is that these things don't really shock you because you're staring at it so much. So, right. you know, yeah. guys that are going to grade out well have graded out well historically, even if the, the stats and numbers haven't really, you know, come. But, like, with a guy like Yelich, I mean, a lot of his thing last year was, was strikeout-driven, which – I mean, yeah, it's still a big problem, but if he's still making solid contact, it's going to come through your numbers pretty well still. Yeah, and I notice a lot of things, you know, especially with the, especially on the pitching side, right? Guy, and I don't know what it was. You know, we talk a lot about baseball players kind of getting in routines and, and, and things of that nature, and maybe the veterans were out of their comforts. I don't know. I can't tell you. But I did notice, you know, especially on the pitching side, you know, some of the older guys, and I'm not talking about, you know, assures are at 36. I'm talking about the guys 31, 32, 33 years old that, you know, aren't over the hill by any means, probably still have some good days ahead of them. Um, really thrown for a loop. I mean, you know, uh, a Corbin, um, you know, uh, a Paxton, you know, his was, you know, some velocity related, but, but at the same time, you just see, you know, a Bumgarner who, you know, obviously hasn't been awesome over the last couple of years, but last year was just 
flat, abysmal. Yeah. And in 2019, you know, the underlying numbers that I've been looking over, he wasn't that bad, actually. So um, I, I think a lot of this has to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, I can't, you know, this is unprecedented. I mean, none of us um, we're dealing with, you know, five, six years of data on the on the on the stat cast stuff on the stat cast side. And we're dealing with a, a global pandemic that, you know, no one we know has lived through. So the, all of this stuff, I don't know how to exactly interpret it. I picked a great year to go ahead and, and, and try to do uh, uh, projections. Yeah, that didn't screw me up at all. But, um, um, you know, we're rolling with it. So I, I think um, I, I think we've got a pretty good, you know, grasp on these numbers. And, uh, you know, I think I, I feel good about it. Let's put it that way. No, that's cool. I mean, like I said, I was just curious as to, but that makes a lot of sense not knowing, you know, you look at it every single day, so you're not shocked by anything. And, right. And then you, but yeah, these these hitters and pitchers, they dealt with a lot of things that we don't even know how it impacted them. Yeah. On the pitching side, you know, it's a little bit, uh, you know, because you're talking about, uh, uh, especially, well, on both starters and relievers, really, a big part of their, um, a big part of their their numbers are, are ratios, right, on the ERA and on the WHIP side, and so you'll see some pretty surprising stuff. And you know, we'll we'll get into that in a bit, but you'll see some pretty surprising stuff. You know, you'll see guys with a an actual five point six three ERA with like an expected two point nine or three point two, and you're like, what in the hell? And you you look at it and you start to see uh, some of the underlying reasons for that. But in those small sample sizes of just a couple of months in 2020. You know, you're talking about nine hits, uh, a couple of home runs that that make all the difference in the world. So, yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. That's really fascinating stuff. So, I really encourage all of you to head over to rotofanatic.com right now. You can even pause the show, uh, and then you can resume the show when you feel like you're much smarter. And don't come back to the show until you've mastered both the data monster and all the projections <laughs> for 2021. Okay? I guess we both better pause this then. <laughs> <laughs> of course we are on the live stream we thank the people who contribute and give us their time on the live stream you can give us comments you can ask questions and we will try to incorporate them in the show during the live stream but by no means are the live stream people any more important than the podcast people you're all valuable and as we do a little housekeeping like we always do on this show fire up the old belvedere music remember this show crosby i know you do i remember i was not a watcher of the show but it was around i was about 15 when this was on Oh, shit. Man, I was... I'm old, man. I'm old. You are older. Uh, you are. It's true. I'm old. You're older. Paul's young. <laughs> but yeah. Mr. Bell, what do you mean? I've got no idea what this is. Yeah, you, don't worry about it. I mean, there's an English guy who pops into Bob Euchre's house to like help them clean the house and take care of the kids. And at the end of every episode, learn a valuable lesson. In classic 80s sitcom fashion. Yes, I want to say indeed. thanks to uh, Dave McDonald for running the Glarf League, which is the Great Lakes Area Roto Fantasy, part of the all regional leagues. Uh, are either of you guys in one of these regional leagues? We just drafted uh, the the turf, the Turnpike, which is New Jersey, New York. Uh, nice. Virginia, uh, Monday. So yesterday. Probably there needs to be a Texas size league then. There should be. There may be. I have no idea. Like I said, I've, I've kind of there uh, isn't one. There's no there Southland. Yeah. Really, that's weird. You know, because Texas is another hotbed for baseball. California, Florida, Texas, you know, uh, Georgia, um, a big part of the South. So I'm surprised there isn't one here. Well, that's perfect. 
Yeah, Yancey Eaton lives in Florida. So Florida, Texas. I don't think Yancey's in one of these leagues. That's yeah, Paul, Paul Spore is just not too far up the road from me. We should get... Uh, yes! Get I think we've stumbled upon something here. Damn Pretty right. Yeah. Enough, guys. We've got a gap in the league. we got the Barf League on the West Coast. we like, we got Turf. I think there is a Surf the in the Northwest. Or it's not they, Surf. It's They call it something Worf. I don't know. What it, I, it's this gets confusing. There's the a point a is, surf, the North it's East just... Point. Yeah, there's a big overall, apparently, you know, there's all these regional leagues. That's all you need to know. Most of them are compromised of analysts. And in our league, the Great Lakes Area Roto League, we have mostly people from Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, Derek Van Riper, Derek Rhodes, our own Carm Mayorano, and Mr. Doctor, and former Roto Fanatic friend, Dave Swan. So it's a lot of fun, and Dave's put a lot of effort into it. So thank you, Dave McDonald, for doing what you do. I'm very excited. He designed a logo, and it's got the Great Lakes on a baseball. It looks really cool. Very excited about doing this league. We've drafted, and that draft is finished as well. So uh, I will share my results as soon as I get a moment to do so. I just haven't had a chance to do that. It's Roto, so it's OBP, though, not average, and 30 players with a seven-player bench. And trades, though. Trades and fob. Yeah, I forgot about the trades until after the draft. I was like, oh, wait, we can actually trade in this one. Would that have, would that have changed anything you did, though, really? Like... Um, more you take more risks maybe because you can move somebody see i don't know if it would necessarily make me take more risks i think like at one point i was you know we were we were t i was taking a bunch of uh stolen base guys um and then i kind of started backing off that even though there were a few more i feel like in in a league where you can trade it's okay to kind of overshoot a category like that and then you know you have the, the cheap stolen base guys you can you know and, and send out to people as you as you come up with needs. So I think yes. that's what I think it would kind of change for me. Instead of you know needing to draft balanced right away, you can kind of overshoot and then adjust as you go. It's a great point. I think it was Jake Jake Kalusker who drafted Dalton Varsho because he said why not? You know if it doesn't work out, yeah. I'll drop his ass or yeah. trade him to somebody who gets you know people get so excited about Varsho and they overextend themselves just to get a catcher who could maybe steal 10 to 15 bases and that's that's something good that you can do because you could always unload that asset yeah, all right so yeah that's all that is bunch of regional trash glarf good job good job dave mcdonald uh i was on the friends with fantasy benefits pod i want you guys to check that out i was with mike werner who writes at baseball hq and is part of friends with fantasy benefits and of course justin mason the grandmaster himself so it was a lot of fun we talked about some players who have possible playing time issues like Edwin Rios, Gavin Lux, and so many more. So check that episode out. I really enjoyed doing that. It was my debut with Friends with Fantasy Benefits, and I really enjoyed it. And a shout-out to the Draft Champions podcast run by Zach Waxman, who had the shrimp boat captain, my guy Graham, and the newest rising star in fantasy baseball. Now, <laughs> I haven't heard his name pronounced, so I don't know if it's Simon Diche or Simon Dice. I'm, has anyone know anything about this? About I him? Have no idea. No. Yeah, I've been popping up a little bit recently too. So he's been doing uh, these Raz Slam videos because yeah. he's part of Raz Slam for the first time and kind of keeping him everybody up to date on the weekly or daily thing that he has going on with his choices and what's going on with his Raz Slam league. And regardless, he's a really really funny guy. He also supports our show, so I want to shout out, check out that episode of the Draft Champions podcast with Zach, Simon, and. The Shrimp Boat Captain. Shrimp Boat Captain's Canadian. I love Canadians. My girlfriend's Canadian, so that's a good thing. And the Palazzo Invitational is wrapping up. The last league is finishing drafting, and once that's done, we will start focusing on harnessing and creating the biggest, baddest-ass trophy of all time. Really excited about this. It's going to be a big-ass trophy. I will promise you 
that I will deliver on this ridiculous promise to make it the biggest, most ridiculous, sweet-ass trophy. I'll spend hundreds of dollars. I don't care. I'm going to make this happen, and I want that to be clear. I don't it's think be any, awesome. anybody doubts you on that. <laughs> good, good. Well, that's good to know that, uh, you know, I still carry a little bit of weight with my word because, you know, big-ass trophy is so much fun. Like, the, did you see the one in the Korean baseball organization? That's so cool. It's got a isn't sword. That, yeah, I was going to say, isn't that the sword? Yeah, it's awesome. It's ridiculous. It's great. That's our, that's our new inspiration now. That's what we're trying to shoot for because I was like, is that real? I thought someone Photoshopped it, but it was the real thing. Uh, that's awesome. Very awesome. So, yes, this is the Hans Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Don't forget, we're part of the Road Fanatic Podcast Network, which includes, I don't know, one other podcast, the Turn 2 Podcast, starring Matt Williams. He had Mike Curlin on today talking about lineups of all 30 teams through spring training. Go ahead and check that out. It's a really good podcast. Matt is one of the wizards of fantasy baseball. He knows what he's talking about. And Mike Curlin is really doing a service to everybody with mm-hmm. these lineup uh, Google Doc thingies head. So you can check out who's been starting, who's not been playing, which positions are being won by guys like Andres Jimenez. So I think it's really cool. It really is cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of information in there if you yeah. if you if you aren't able to, you know, watch every spring training game or keep up with everything. It's it's definitely a great way to to learn what you're doing. Yeah. It's a great yeah. asset and, and you know Paul and I can can definitely uh tell how much time uh Mike's yeah. putting into that. That's that's yeah, uh sure. it's a great resource and and uh, anybody listening should should check that out for sure. No doubt about it. Well done, Mike. Very proud of you. Keep up the good work, my friend. All right, let's get into leading off. So we've already let off with a ton of information, but this is called leading off technically. So here it comes. In leading off today, I want to keep it short and simple. Of course, we provide our catch of the day and we say bye-bye-bye to anybody who was injured. But I want to know from each one of you, we'll start with Paul first. Paul, how important are spring training stats to you, or how do you vary your absorption of what you see in spring versus how important it really is overall? Um, I mean, I think that there are, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of research done into different things, but I think that there are subsets of spring training stats that actually matter. Like, I, I like looking at, you know, velocity. I like seeing if guys have been able to kind of sustain some things when it comes to pitchers. Um, offensively, there's not really a ton that I care too much about. Um, you know, K rates are, are fairly real. Um, and there's some changes with like walk rates and things like that. So I definitely think that I'll look at it a little bit, but I, I try not to take in too much of it outside of, you know, who's playing and where they're playing and, and how often and, and what spot in the lineup they're in, because I feel like sometimes it can uh, help kind of confirm um, you know, some, some thoughts that you previously had and you can kind of believe some things that might not actually be there. Oh man. It's so easy to fall into the trap. Like you see Clayton Kershaw give up two home runs right off the bat today to uh, Colton Wong and Luis Urias. And you're like, Oh shit, Clayton or Kershaw sucks now, but he's so, probably but, working but on something. Willie Castro, our greatest player in the world. Um, we'll just, <laughs> that, that's confirmed my priors. We're going to stay forever. Yeah, I was. I MVP. underestimated him. I thought last year was bullshit, but and MVP was, this season. He looks but, amazing. Yeah. I yeah. and Mike, that was kind of a, a big point you're saying with Kershaw. Like, I think with pitchers, especially veteran guys, we don't know what they're actually trying to do when they go out into a game. You know, they might be trying to pitch a completely different way than they would in an actual game. Mm-hmm. Um, with the younger guys, they're probably going to take it much more seriously. But with some of these veterans, you might see completely different approaches and. 
Sometimes people think that that's a, a sign of what they're going to do in the season. Sometimes it's just them testing something out and trying to kind of see how it goes in a game. Oh, I hit the wrong button. Damn it. Forever. There we go. See, I blew that. Damn it. Yeah, you're right about that, Paul. I have no argument with you. Pitchers are tinkering. They're trying things out. You know, they're. it's not real. The stats don't matter. Sean Doolittle, I think, had the best line about it when he said it was the most – his stat line from, like, 10 days ago was the most spring training of all spring training stat lines that there ever was. So. Yeah. Crosby, how about you, buddy? Uh, I know you're busy. You're a busy man, too. You are a, you're an elite businessman, too. People don't know that. You're a wise fella who knows a thing or two. So you're always involved in something. You got your fingers in a lot of pots, but you got to absorb this spring training information and make something of it. What do you make of it? Yeah, no, I mean, Paul Paul pretty much hit it. You're talking about uh, velocities and, and uh, you know, the K rate with the hitters is, is, is somewhat important. You look what uh, happened to Travis Shaw a couple of years. We're like a couple of years ago. We're like, ah, it doesn't matter. Then the guy just had one of the worst seasons you could possibly have for a starter for about uh, half uh. three quarters of the season. Um, and then uh, without getting stat by stat, I mean, Paul pretty much hit it. I'll look at some stuff that the, you know, the players can't control, you know, maybe if there's a, uh, a new, a new head, a new manager, are they, are they running? Right? Are they maybe you know choosing to run a little bit more in the uh, in spring training at that uh, or less? You know, how does that affect the, the the overall ball club's philosophy? Just to see. I mean, again, it's spring training, but you know, you want to kind of see what 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 the manager's doing. Um, and uh, you know, position battles, which is which has been great in, in lineup spots. Uh, those those are ultimately not the players' decisions, and so you want to keep an eye on that. And that's why uh, uh, Curlin's. Uh, piece is, is such a great asset. It's it's he's breaking down what would what would literally take uh, each person a couple uh, hours a day to look up and then try to digest and put it on something simple for you. So those are the kind of things I look at. Very wise. It's simple, but sometimes it's important to not get caught up in the hype because people love hype and they jump on bandwagons. And sometimes people want to be first. They want to be oh I saw this first and I'm going to jump on that. And that's where you can get burned. That Travis Shaw season still sticks with me. I remember taking a flyer on him. I was like, ah, oh, who cares? It'll be fine. And that did not go well at all. So, <laughs> bogus. Good. Our first catch of the day. Today's catch of the day. Guess what? It's a repeat winner. I'm going to keep pushing him until you people understand how damn good he is and how much you should be drafting him. That's right. It's Shohei Otani. Another home run today. He's crushing the ball. His spring stats are stupid. This is pre-spring hype, though. You can go back and listen to this podcast. I was talking about him before he's blown up over the last two weeks, okay? I want that to be clear. This is not like, oh, look at the stats, look at the stats, you know? Oh, the field's metal, the field's metal. It's not that. <laughs> it is not that, okay? This is this is a guy who can, he could be an MVP hitter if he, if he focused solely on hitting. No, he doesn't do that. So, tell me how crazy I am, Paul. Shohei Otani, the hitter, the pitcher, you can go in any direction with it. How much is too much to be drafting him? in any type of format. You can make it league specific too. Uh, I mean, I have him in, I think every DC that I've done and probably, so I, I think I have him in like three of my DCs and I've drafted him in a few other places. I think that in an NFBC style league where you get a Friday swap, um, when, when I originally thought he was going to be pitching, you know, every Saturday or every Sunday, they've kind of said that they're going to change that up a little bit, but Overall, um, he is an elite hitter when he does play. Um, and if you have a Friday swap type thing, and let's say he plays, you know, he's in the lineup Monday to Thursday, he could potentially get you, you know, 20 to 30 home runs and 10 steals, 15 steals 
even just playing that partial time. He's shown us that so far. So, I mean, I think that there's no reason to – I have no worries with with taking him, especially where he's going. And if he becomes a, a reasonably good pitcher, I mean, and gives you 120 innings or whatever it's going to be pitching once a week, I mean, if he can show anything like he did in 2018, which is wild, that's how long ago he first came up or he first came over. It seems like it was, you know, yesterday. But mm-hmm. I, I am personally buying all in this year and hoping, you know, that he to either – becomes a full-time hitter or, you know, I can use him wherever I want in different situations. Before Crosby answers, I want to give Joel here. Joel Frederick is commenting on the show saying he's on the Otani bandwagon for those of you that can watch the live stream. So uh, first off, shout out to Joel. Went to high school, Joel. I actually puked on Joel's carpet at Super Bowl. Hmm. What Super Bowl was it? Crosby, you you, would, uh, you were alive for this one. It was uh, the Chargers-Niners one, the 94 oh, yeah. season Super Bowl. Yeah, I know where I was, yeah. Yeah, where were you? I was in Anaheim Hills watching it at a buddy's place with about uh, a good 30 or 40 of us. I had just gotten uh, uh, out of college and uh, eventually ended up moving into that house once I got out of college. It was definitely a kind of a party bashing type of place. But, uh, yeah, so I, although I wasn't throwing up from what I can remember, um, I did have some good times that, uh, that day. Yeah, there it, is. there it is. Joel verifying orange puke everywhere. We were 14 years old. It was freshman year of high school. So I this dumb commercial came on with the Budweiser frogs. It was you remember that those but Budweiser. Uh-huh. Right. I, I just took a drink and it was so funny to me. I just puked. I choked. I was choking. That's what it was. It was a choking puke because it was so funny to me. I couldn't help myself. It's never happened to me since. That was a rare moment, but I uh, I felt pretty bad because I was at his parents' house and they lived in a pretty nice house. Sorry about that, Joel. But point being, uh, Joel faced Drew Henson. You remember Drew Henson? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Drew Henson. Yeah. He went to high school at the school right next to us that we went to high school. So he was in the athletic league. And he was a Yankees prospect that was signed yep. for a bunch of money. Also played football at the University Michigan, of Michigan. Right? That's yeah. right. Chose baseball, which was a mistake. Probably should have been a quarterback. That was his fault. And Joel wanted me to say on the show, or I told him that I would, that Joel went two for four against Henson and nice. never struck out. So Very nice. Congratulations. That's pretty damn good, man, because he threw heat. Nobody could hit him. Nobody has... I don't know if anybody ever hit a home run off him. He had, he had the home run record, too, at the time. He was ridiculously good, but should have stuck with football. It's going to be tough to be to be um, to get in enough time. You know, you look at Trout from what? He's from from Jersey. And uh, was it was Abbott from Michigan? Um, you've had some guys from Michigan that, that have made it. You know, in California, we've got all but basically, I don't know, a week where uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's miserable to, uh, to play baseball. Barry Larkin um, played at Michigan Hall of Famer. Woo-hoo. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, it's it's uh, uh, it's got to be tough, man. When you when you get what five months, six months a year that you guys could actually play um, play ball, that's 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 uh, no easy feat. They almost won the World Series a couple years ago too. So close, couldn't take the final game and uh, didn't go our way. But we did beat UCLA. That was pretty cool. So. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry about that. <laughs> Anyway, I digress. So the point being is, yes, I want to give Joel his credit. So, hey, Shohei Otani, Crosby, are you buying into the hitter this year, and would you draft him anywhere you could? Yeah, I would. Um, you know, obviously everything's got a price, but, I mean, the guy profiles as, you know, potentially a 285, you know, in, in full full season 
uh, plate appearances. You're talking about 285, uh, 35, 20 stolen bases, um, you know, 95, 95 type of thing. I mean, the guy's a stud. It really just comes down to what are they going to do with him as a hitter? Obviously, he's dealt with uh, with various injuries. So um, I, I would. I'm an Angels fan. I would love to see him get full run. You are an Angels uh, fan. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would love to see him get full run as as a hitter, and I wouldn't mind him being like somebody that comes in and and uh, you know maybe is maybe is a a fireman for three three innings a couple times a week. Or, there you go. You know something like that. Something that can you know make the most use out of him. He doesn't have to to hold it back. He can let it go. Um, so, anyways, but yeah, the guy, the guy's a the guy's a stud. It's just a matter of his role. Uh, as a baseball player on on the Angels, he's great for them. As us fantasy owners, we gotta figure out how we can fit him in. It's it's all just about the the playing time, the, the plate appearances, and and the, and the innings pitch. Really, you said it, my friend. I maybe I'm wishful thinking here. Maybe I'm getting a little too overhyped because. <laughs> They said they get rid of the Otani rule, you know, the, hey, you got to have a day off before and after he pitches. So if that goes along, and I, if we can get five days every week out of him hitting, I almost think it's still worth it. I really do. But Yeah, that's, I, I mean, again, that, that's why, you know, daily leagues is a completely different story. But but having a Friday swap type thing in NFBC, he's, he's perfect because, you know, you don't have to waste, you know, two games worth of uh, – worth of at bats you can swap him out on you know friday morning or or in depending on whenever he's pitching that week however they decide to do it yes sir very wise very very wise wait for it what does this take just say it what's happening is this not working I can't hear it. Did I blow it? Did you guys hear what is, was it playing no. something or am I crazy? Oh, that's what no. I'm an idiot. I'm hitting the wrong lever. Dare. God, I'm such a dumbass. I ruined the whole bit. I'm sorry, guys. I was hitting the lever next to it. There we go. Sorry. All right, it's time to say bye to players who are hurt. I want to know real quickly. I'm going to give you guys the floor. Uh, Crosby, one guy who has an injury or you've heard about an injury that has you concerned the most right now. Uh, boy, pass. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Sonny Gray's back. Does it bother you? Not that much. Um, okay. You know, back, backs could obviously be be tricky, but you know, well, let, let's go with this. Here's here's one. Um, Austin Nola's broken finger. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't have that much faith in Austin Nola, anyways. But you know, obviously, here we go with Strasburg again. Let's go ahead and add in uh, now a lower body injury. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's serious, but it just seems like this guy's kinetic chain. I mean, from his shoulder to his back to you know now his calf. I mean, it's I don't know what the hell it is, but you know, it just—it's always something. He's got so much damn talent, and every every other year, it, you know, it's allowed to come through. Um, but uh, this has me scared. I have him in a in a uh, a keeper league that I've been in for 27, 28 years, and you know, I'm wow. deciding between uh, years. yeah, I've decided between him and and uh, and Voight. And um, boy, this doesn't make it this doesn't make it easier. 
Is it OBP or OPS? No, it's uh, it's batting average. Ooh, okay. Then that, yeah, that's a little more reason. If it's OPP, I'd take Void all day. Yeah. Uh, Paul, I hope you're a little more tuned in. Crosby's a busy guy, so but he came through. He gave a Strasburg. He did a good job. Paul, is there one injury that you're like, man, I might be avoiding this guy now, or is it nothing that major beyond the Framber Valdez injury, which was the biggest one so far? I'm I'm actually a little bit concerned about um, Sonny Gray. Um, I kind of mainly because I saw um, I forget exactly where I saw it and I kind of forgot that this happened, but he did go on the IL at the end of last year with a back injury as well. So uh, I think you know it's it's coming up as kind of a little bit of it could potentially be a little bit of a recurring thing. And with backs, you know, as someone who dealt with back pain, it's not fun, um, especially mm-hmm. as a pitcher side of things. So I definitely have a little bit more concern. You know, I was I was all in on Gray, and now I'm kind of pushing him back a little bit, not not to a complete avoid because they don't seem too concerned, but um, it's definitely you know pushing him down a round or so for me. Yeah, I uh, believe it or not, I played a uh, little league baseball, <laughs> and. Uh... I actually played when I was 13 years old. I tried out when I was 14, but then I got suspended and I gave up and I never played baseball again in high school. But I've had back problems in my own life because I was fat, so I understand the pain as well. <laughs> Sciatic nerve can kill you. Ooh, it's yeah, the worst. Absolutely. It just shoots down your leg. I tried to play through it playing basketball once, and that was a mistake. So I get it. I hope that it's not that big of a deal. Oh, our, our buddy Brian checking in. What's up, Brian? He says Carlos Carrasco's elbow. That's a good one. But... He always seems to have this elbow thing, and he's survived it. He's a rare case, is he not? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely he's definitely had his, um, you know, he's had some bigger health concerns than than baseball and stuff like that. But he's also seemed to have some, you know, nicks and tears here and there. Um, and he's usually been able to kind of power through it a little bit. Um, I was definitely kind of similar to Gray. I was definitely a fan of his, and I think it gives me a little more concern, especially since just the Mets have had, you know, horrible history with, oh. with injuries and, and things like that. So it's definitely, you know, a guy that I'm a little more concerned about, but I don't necessarily know if, um, if he becomes a, again, like Greg, he's not a complete avoid anymore. It's just, uh, I need to get him at a little bit more of a discount than I was getting before. Okay. Real quick, uh, Crosby, quickly Carrasco is he's had a cranky elbow in other seasons and he's powered through and it has, has not shut him down for a full season. He's had IL stints from it. Does it bother you? It bugs me a little bit. This is actually the first year that I've owned him, not because I haven't liked him per se, but my numbers kind of were off of him the last couple of years. Uh, I drafted him in TGFBI. Um, I felt like he was kind of a decent buy at where he was going. So, yeah, anytime you're taking somebody in their, you know, 32, 33, 34 age time frame and they already kind of have a history of some of this stuff, you know, it's gonna it's 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 gonna bother me some. I, I don't like drafting older guys as it is, um, even though pitchers can typically do you know a little bit better than than on the hitter side uh, with the age. But um, yeah, it doesn't. I'm not stoked about it. Let's put it that way. For those of you that are slightly concerned at all, <clears throat> excuse me, I talk a lot. Don't be worried. This is dated March 11th, 2020. This is from SI.com. Carlos Carrasco misses his first start of the spring due to elbow soreness. It never got shut down last year. So this is, like I said, this is just part of the game with him. But if there's other elbows that aren't having soreness, maybe you can just go that route. Yeah. You know, it's risk versus reward. How much risk are you willing to take on on a given team? I think it has a lot to do with team build and things like that too, right? Yeah, tiebreaker. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Uh, another minor, well, I guess 
not minor, but uh, the Hunter Harvey went on the IL for the 60 day today. Oh, sweet. So now you get to choose between uh, Tanner Scott and Cesar Valdez. And what about Cole Susser? He's still there. Yeah, Cole. Or, yeah, whatever, whatever Orioles pitcher, pick one that you want. Cole um, Sulcer. He had four saves last year, I think. Yeah. He, he had a terrible whip, though. Pretty sure he had them all in like a week, and then he was still like their closer for like three weeks and never got another <laughs> save. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have, we have that one, and uh, Brennan Rogers with his like hamstring exploding it was, it was mm-hmm. fun looking. So loving my gear at Hampson Chairs, loving my gear at Hampson Chairs. Woohoo! I tell you this. We should consult the doctor. Mr. Doctor, Mike Carter, he writes for rotofanatic.com and he publishes his closing remarks, which is a great article to find out. Good heavens, what is going on with bullpens? And he gives you the latest and he's getting pretty good at it. He started doing it last year. So this is his second year. Go to rotofanatic.com, read closing remarks, keep yourself up to date on the latest in all the bullpens of Major League Baseball. And here's another comment from Joel. Polanco's quad died today. That would be Jorge Polanco. That's unfortunate. Uh, uh, hopefully oh, it's not. Araya is now pretty much full-time. Uh, oh, God. Really? Somebody, I thought, was it Dave Funnel, another Rotofanatic fella of ours, posted on Twitter today <laughs> trying to win a SP streamer mug with bold takes. You know, we do insane fantasy takes here. Some people call them bold takes. Whatever you call them. And he said uh, Arias would lead the league in hits, I think it was, or he'd win the batting title, something like that. So, I mean, he's not going to do anything else. He's just going to get hit singles. But he's going to get a lot of contact. Yeah. yeah. Right. Make a lot of contact, not, hit for high average, maybe. Not a lot of hard contact, necessarily. No. Yeah. D- David Fletcher, but somehow worse. With less positions eligible. For. Le- less positions, probably similar power. Probably. Which is none. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Jorge Blanco, though, I really love this year, so I hope he gets healthy. I've actually been targeting him as a starting shortstop in certain leagues, depending on the depth, of course. They, they had right. him hitting fourth with today in like a lineup that looked relatively real. He's a legit he was, hitter. Yeah, he's not a bad he's, hitter. 2020 is trash. The 2019 is what I like. I believe, yeah. and now I know I'm cherry-picking here, and you know, even Crosby's like, well, you can't do that necessarily, but there are there's context. There always is context. Okay. All right, this is the Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's time now for the segment we call Enrico's Inquisition, where we ask these guys questions generally about non-baseball stuff. Let's do it! Would you prefer to deal with a manipulative person or a callous person? Wow, this is deep. Deep into my psyche. Alan Trammell or Lou Whitaker? Oh, I knew you were going to hit me with that. The 1988 Dodgers or the 2020 Dodgers? Oh, the 1988 by far it was the happiest moment like of my sports life that was my first gut moment oh, Nelly, get ready for some doozies because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show enrico's inquisition <laughs> crosby you were around back then uh, lou whitaker alan trammell um I like Lou Whitaker myself. Um, I know uh, uh, my buddy Phil back then. He was a big Trammel fan. Uh, that was his favorite player at the time. But yeah, I was I was a little bit more of a, of a Sweet Lou guy. I was my favorite player growing up as a Tigers right. fan. Sweet Lou Whitaker. That was that was the guy that left-handed stroke hit that stupid overhang in right field, or so many home runs were stolen from pitchers. Pitchers must have been pissed pitching at Tiger Stadium with that overhang. So yeah. <laughs> They were a hell of a double play combination, too. 
the best of all time. What, yeah. I think the longest in history in terms of a double play duo. Unless it yeah, was they were amazing. some old assholes back in the day. I don't think it was, though. Like, even older dudes. Like, 1910s or something. Right. You know, tinkers to evers to chance. Or some <laughs> shit like that. So. Anywho, uh, Paul, what's your uh, favorite musical group or artist? Oh, man. Um, or one. It doesn't have to be the favorite. You can give us one. I guess... God, that's hard. Um, recently, I've started to listen to a lot more Johnny Cash. So I guess, I guess Johnny Cash would be the the artist of the uh, of the hour for me. I kind of go through a lot of uh, a lot of like phases where I'll uh, I'll listen to a certain type of music and then it'll kind of phase out and I'll go to something different. So Johnny Cash is what's been going on right now. Beautiful, Crosby. What about you? Yeah, so I, I actually do honestly don't have a favorite band. I actually I love basically all music, everything from jazz to classical to to heavy metal. Um, you know, things as hard as like an Anthrax. Uh, <laughs> you know, on onto uh, Scott you know, Ian pop yeah. music. Yeah, Scott Ian. He was uh, married to my uh, high school and college baseball coach. I mean, I coach <laughs> his daughter. Sorry, um, Crosby knows everybody. Hilarious. Yeah. So. Yeah, Scott Ian was awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I, country music, I mean, I, I really do like it all. So, um, yeah, I don't really have a favorite band. I used to go, okay. the, the, concert, the concert I've been to the most uh, is Dave Matthews. They put on a great live show. Um, but as far as, you know, sitting around listening to anybody, it's really about the mood. You know, if I'm on the back patio, it, it might be... Uh, you know, some Jimmy Buffett and some uh, some of that beach country stuff, you know, Florida Georgia Line, that kind of thing, or it could be Southern Rock or any of that stuff. I, I, I like it all. Beautiful. I love your eclectic variety. I am a fan of all types of music as well. There's really nothing that I would leave out. No, I wouldn't. Johnny Cash is a classic. I have a good friend of mine named Steve who does He always did Ring of Fire when we did karaoke. That was his go-to jam. Yeah, the, the only music that, that, that I can't stand really is any of that, like the screaming heavy metal, where you can't understand a day like guar or something. Uh, so there's a fine line between heavy metal, but the screaming is where the, you're going. Yeah, just that, just that, just, I mean, heavy metal is great, but the, the, the screaming, you can't understand a damn thing they're saying. That's ridiculous. But also is the, uh, uh, what the hell is that? That hillbilly mountain music. Uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, uh, bluegrass. Bluegrass. Oh god, I went to a a, a, a barbecue where that was being played, and that that's the worst thing. That's that's even worse than the the screaming heavy metal. That was made very popular by the movie, the two thousand film, the Coen Brothers movie. Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? That soundtrack. Oh, yes. Bluegrass was everywhere. That was one of the biggest selling soundtracks ever. It's really strange. By the way, oh God, Brian's checking in with canned heat. He loves canned heat. I want to investigate your brain one day. You have just a, an obscene wealth of knowledge of things. Crosby does, yeah. I was, he no, lives. I was saying you. I was talking about you. You just, you just pull stuff out of your... I don't know where it comes from. Well, I mean, I've... Brain, I've <laughs> Paul, when you're my age, you'll know as much as I know. It, it comes, it's a yeah. matter of experience. I feel like you just, yeah. you just pull out these like random things that... Random well, movies, random everything. It's all connected, Paul. It's all connected. It is. <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate it. That's very kind of you to say. Uh, canned Heat is... Uh, canned Heat is known for that guy who sings like this. Like, oh, 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 oh. 
you know, going up the country. It's a weird voice, but uh, it's pretty synonymous with Woodstock and shit like that. So. Gotcha. Yeah, good times. All right, cool. We're doing Ingerico's Inquisition here. We're asking questions. We're doing this or that. Uh, we always got to ask this. Uh, Paul, sliders or curveballs? I've been waiting for this one. I'm a slider. I prefer sliders. Yeah! That's what I, what I threw in college. That's what uh, I was the only pitch that was actually useful for me. But uh, I, I think there's nothing prettier than a, than a good 12-6 curveball, but sliders are sliders are the way to go. That's your out pitch. Who's got the best slider you've ever... The one you've enjoyed the most, besides your own? The one I've enjoyed the most. Um... Or is there one? It doesn't have to be. I think there's a particular particular single slider that, that stands out. I mean, it's always fun watching, like, Chaz Rose, one that just... Oh, God. <laughs> that, just, that thing is just... A, it's a Frisbee. It doesn't make It looks sense. like it breaks to the right and then yeah. back to the left. I mean, it's... Crazy. It's unbelievable. I don't it understand really how it works. But, yeah, yeah. I, there's no there's no particular one. There's nothing that's, a good, that's a good one to pull out. That guy has a crazy slider. And any good backfoot slider that that makes a hitter just spin is probably one of my favorite things to watch. Chaz Rose, wow! Never, I didn't know we, he'd be mentioned on the show today. See, that's why we do this. You never know. Oh, he's, he's got an amazing slider. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really? fun to watch. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna look it up. I don't it's one of the really few sliders that are that, that are that are jiff worthy. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. What about you, Cross? Um. So. As an effective pitch, I'm going to go with slider to actually watch. Um, it's a curveball, but I mean, I could, you, as a hitter, you can, you can, you can hit a hanger. You get a good slider, man. I mean, you, it is, it is damn tough to pick up. Um, I don't know if if Ben Bloomdahl, I think he, he played for uh, for your Tigers for a while. Um, I went, I played against him in college. I could not hit his damn slider. I couldn't see it coming. It looked like a fastball, and then it was gone. It is so. And there's never been a curveball that does that to me. So sliders can do something to a hitter that that at least I've never experienced that a curveball can do. Ben Blomdahl. Benjamin Earl Blomdahl is a former Major League pitcher. He played for the Tigers in 1995. Wow. I did not remember him. That was a bad team. So maybe I kind of blocked it out. Yeah, and I don't think he was that great at the show, but, I mean, he made the show, right? So... He did make the show in 95. He had 14 games he appeared in, and that's it. So it looks, that's his career. That's it. Yeah. So. But I, I agree with you, Crosby. They don't look as good as, you know, Barry Zito's prime curveball. Right. You know, that, those pitches look, you know, they, they look better. But in terms of effectiveness, yeah, sliders are definitely the way to go. Yep. Okay, cool. Tribe has spoken. I'm down with that. I got no beef. <laughs> I love sliders. I love curveballs. We love everything here on the Hands We Go Plaza Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, back to Paul on this one. Uh, Paul, burgers or tacos? Burger. I don't have much more to say there, but... It's simple. <clears throat> it doesn't a, have to be complicated. A, a nice burger, some bacon. That's, that's the way to go. Kroz, we know you love food, so where do you go on this one? I All mean, right, if you so, have to be forced into it. I mean, you're, you're picking, like, two of my favorites. You're like 1A, 1B, right? So... Uh, I mean, I love a good burger, but kind of my thing is to make whatever I can into tacos. So I'm gonna have to go with tacos here. What What does that mean exactly? Like make what? Like you got spaghetti noodles? And you're gonna make a taco out of it? No, let's not get nuts. But um, <laughs> you know, so uh, pot roast. Would you ever think pot roast would be good in a taco? It's flipping amazing. Um, you know, I'll take uh, leftover uh, rib meat, shred it up, make it into Korean tacos. So, um, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Ta- tacos are, are kind of my uh, kind of my inspiration to, to, to mess around with some food. So, yeah. That that definitely sounds like my uh, 
just out of college don't know how to actually cook for myself. <laughs> Everything is a fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. Why not? Right? Who cares? We're not living conventionally. Yeah, I get that. And it's fifty-eight way, cents for thirty-six uh, tortillas, man. It's a, it's it's an efficient yeah. way to roll. That is a good deal. Those that don't know, Crosby's uh, known for posting beautiful photos of food in our Slack on Rota Fanatic, so that's why I, I alluded to the fact that he loves food. He's always taking pictures of some good-ass shit. It looks fantastic every time he serves it up. And he's had, well, you've had Chinese nights, you've had Mexican, you've had all kinds of nights. that you. Oh, yeah, with. Italian, Mexican, Chinese, uh, yeah, just I, I mean, everything you can, you can possibly imagine. Yeah, I'll probably put, post it up a good uh, half dozen or so. Uh, of, of the meal picks there. Nice. Well done, too. Yeah. You seem like you're a connoisseur. I would say that's fair to say. Uh, yeah, I think the I think the word foodie has kind of jumped the shark. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, we're not doing that here. We don't yeah, do that term. But uh, I'm definitely into food. Foodie sounds too snooty. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, so. Let's just eat food it. and have a good time and put sour cream on everything. <laughs> that's what I would do. Uh, I think sour cream does go in everything. It's very odd, but it's true. Uh, so mountains or rivers, Paul? Good mountain. Nice, nice mountain view overlooking uh, overlooking something cool. I think um, as a backdrop, mountains are, are a really cool backdrop for things. So I'll go mountains. Cross? You also picked a couple of my favorites here. Uh, I, I love living on, uh, like right now we live in the hill country, so I love views. Uh, being up on, you know, at any kind of elevation, I absolutely love. But uh, water, man, I love water. Beaches, lakes, rivers, creeks. Uh, so I'll go, I'll go ahead and take the water here. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. That's impressive. Does Texas have hills? I mean, they got hills. They don't have mountains. Uh, they, I think more towards, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know. But I think towards. I guess maybe, you go way west. Have, yeah, if, yeah, exactly. If you're getting towards uh, San Antonio, uh, not San Antonio. You're getting towards uh, El New Mexico, New Mexico. Um, yeah, this area, the, the hill country, extends out for for a few hours out from Austin down to San Antonio, and it's uh, it's a real nice area. It's like, it's, it's kind of a wine country um, type of area. If you're from California, it kind of reminds me of uh, Temecula area. Oh, Temecula, one of my good pals, Joe, got married there in 2011. Yeah. <laughs> Had a great time there. It's beautiful out there. I could I yeah. can see it now. I, uh, I was in really good shape back then, too, and I was kind of a big deal. So. <laughs> nice. Might have been a little full of myself, though, too. I learned a lot of lessons about getting in shape when you're fat and then going back to being fat. You learn a lot. You get humble the next time you get in shape. So just something to remember. All right, uh, we got to end this segment because I want to talk more baseball. So let's get to it. Paul, come on. For love or money. What, what are you talking about? For love or money. Uh, I'll go for love. Ah, oh, there you go. That's so sweet. Crosby. Well, so like point of clarification here: Are we? Am no, I like no clarifications? I if I'm born like am I born with ten million dollars, but I'm a leper to everyone, or <laughs> like is that how we're going here? Or or you can put any context on it you want. I'm not going to add anything. Your call. Well, the most important thing is is love of friendships and, and significant other and family and all that stuff. So I'll so I'll go with that. But if I had a choice and all things being equal, I will take the money and I will consensually make you love me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. What a beautiful way to wrap up that segment. I'll tell you what. 
Pretty damn good job, Cross. Your first time being on a podcast. I think you're doing quite well. Keep up the good work. This is the Hey, it's Rico Plazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Paul's a veteran. I've been on pods with Paul many, many times. So uh, it's good to have you back on, though, Paul. You don't, were you ever on the Palazzo show to begin with? Though? I don't think I've ever specifically been on the Palazzo show. I think we've yeah, just done a bunch of the proto-fanatic pods together. Yeah, you know, tomato, tomato, yeah, whatever. We've potted a lot, but it's good to have yeah. both these guys on. They're both rotofanatic experts, so a lot of the best stuff on our website, without a doubt. It is all these two guys. It really is. They really put a lot of work into it. Carmen, Matt, and they all. Everybody puts in a lot of work as well. But these these are two of the brains behind the operation. There's no doubt about it. I just promote it, and that's it. That's my job. I'll promote, and I'm fine doing that because everyone's got to know their role. You know, you get a nice role, you settle into it, and you do it to the best of your ability, and. That's why the Pistons won back-to-back titles in 89 and 90. You know, the bad boys all knew their roles, and they did it to a T. And they were a great team. Still one of the best, like, teams there ever was in terms of championships. Are you our Rodman? (laughs) I'm the John Saley, I feel like. Okay, all right. A little more lively. Rodman's kind of – I've been depressed before, but Rodman, you know, he kind of – Rod, the, the Rodman post-Pistons, I guess you could maybe call me that. You know, I'm a little out there. But when he was a Piston, he was much more reserved. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He was. Yeah, He lived, uh, oh, God, about 15 streets down from me in, in, in Newport Beach. And he was uh, quite the character around town, I'll tell you that. Another guy that you're, you somehow you've had a run-in with. That's amazing. Seriously, I'm going <laughs> to go back Southern and listen California. to this pod. It's Southern yeah. California. I used to live right. across the street from the Barkers. You know, from uh, Blink. Oh, Travis Barker. Yeah. Yeah. That's what do you do? Yeah. That, they lived across the street from me the year before that they uh, they started the MTV show. Like I said, it's 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 Southern California. There's there's a lot of links with Hollywood and music and all sports, all that stuff. No, but you're like a you're a cool guy that you talk to people. You're, you got to be willing to like you could be a recluse. You know, Howard Hughes lived in California at one point and he didn't talk to anybody. So, yeah. Met him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Nice work. All right. Okay. Uh, so this is the Rico Blasso Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Road Fanatic Podcast Network. We're going to talk some more fantasy baseball here. That's what we're here to do. We're going to give you some ADP scenarios. Now, this is uh, it's not complicated. ADP gets a bum rap sometimes, and there's a lot of discussions, especially among the elite and the analyst of the world, about ADP and whether it has any use. I want to get your quick takes quickly. Uh, Paul, ADP, what does it serve you? How does it serve you in any way? I mean, I think that there's there's something to, um, you know, understanding how some other people are thinking and kind of where other people start to make start to make changes. I think one of the things that's kind of difficult and needs a little bit of, uh, especially with like a site with like, like NFBC or something like that, when there are a bunch of different game types that are being included in that, you really need to take that into account. You can't mm-hmm. just kind of assume on every single thing that, you know, the ADP is aligning to what your game type is going to be. And again, it, it also takes, you know, drafts going back till October. Things are a lot different now. But I think that it gives you a decent baseline of, of how some people are going to work. And I think as as you kind of get going with it, you need to use it as a, a tool, but don't use it as a crutch and don't be afraid. I know a lot of people are afraid to say, oh, this, you know, his ADP is 40 picks later. Yeah, don't don't be afraid to kind of jump your guy if you really want him. Mr. Spencer, what do you think about ADP? <laughs> no, very similar. I mean, you want to get an idea of, of kind of, you know, where the herd is traveling. Um, but there comes a point where you want to grab your guy. You know, there's a difference. You don't want to grab a guy that's, you know, seems to be going. You can also take a look at the min pick. 
right, in the back pick. But the min pick kind of lets you know, you know, gives you an idea that you, you, know, you don't have to jump them up five rounds, right? You can, you can jump them up three rounds or you know, it kind of gives you an idea on the strategy on that. But especially once it starts getting into the middle rounds, uh, you know, around the hundreds, 120s, I, you know, get your guy. Um, you like him for a reason. Don't let somebody else take the guy that you've done all the research that told you you should have taken last round because you wanted to squeeze another round out of it and sweat it. Just get your freaking guy and have fun with him, you know? Perfect. Both of you guys said it well. Use it as a baseline. Don't go crazy. And don't let it stare you in the face when you're drafting either. Like, oh, it's going to dictate my opinion and position, and I'm going to make a choice off of it. Try to try to look at it, but then put it away. Have Make sure you're doing your own pre-ranks, because that is very important. And I really think it makes a difference. I really do. If you want to get your team. Your team. So, all right. So in this segment, I'm going to give you three players they're all kind of like bunched together, or they could be like wildly apart. It's all varied. But, it, you know, it's a threes company segment of ADP. Yeah. And, of course, there's a dumb song involved, so I got to play the song real quick. But it won't be complicated. Drafting in the night round. Drafting in the night round. Staring Matt Olsen down. Staring Matt Olsen down. I can't decide between Olsen, Goldie, or Bob. Threes company, too. Drafting in the 12th round. Drafting in the 12th round. Another top closer down. Another top closer down. I can't decide between Anderson, Yates, or Kenley, Three's company, too. Well, that was written a little while ago, so <clears throat> some of those, you know, might not be so close anymore. I love that show. Did you film? Now, did you actually record that in Dolphins or OP shorts? <laughs> I should have. I should have. I think I was wearing sweatpants. That's my bad. Uh, Sorry about okay. that. Yeah. I know Three's company would not approve. Three's company. Do you have any idea what that is, Paul? I, I know what it is. I don't know if I've oh. ever actually seen. I don't think I've ever actually seen it, but I, I do know what it is. Yeah. Oh, can you you name one person who was on that show? No. Okay. Hey, <laughs> John that Ritter. The eighties seventies. Late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. 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 It was even before my time. I mostly saw it in reruns. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I watched it live. Yeah. He watched it live. <laughs> yeah, Jack Tripper, played by John Ritter, who died way too young at 52 years old. He must have done too much coke or something. I don't know what happened there. But remember, maybe he had a bad ticker. Who knows? I think he had yeah. a bad ticker, yeah. You can have a bad ticker. Make sure you guys take care of yourselves out there. We want you to live past 52. So in this segment, I'm going to give you three guys, and I want you to decide between them. Now, they are guys because, as far as I know, all players are male in Major League Baseball. At least that's how it is today. But uh, maybe one day that will change, you know. We're getting more female coaches and managers could happen one day. I think, uh, you know, things will change and progress. And I know that the baddest-ass athlete in my high school was not a baseball player. was a softball player. Her name was Kendra Strutz, and she was badass. She was so damn good. She was – I think she definitely played in college at Michigan State. She was – I remember you, Kendra. Shout-out to you. You had a hell of a career. I never forgot <laughs> So, okay. Here's the first segment, guys. Now, you might disagree with me or you might think this ADP is ridiculous, but we're using NFBC ADP. Don't forget that. And we try to use the date from February 15th. So it's somewhat recent. It's not too old. It's not too outdated. Uh, sometimes, you know, you can't get the perfect ADP like it's up to the second necessarily, but we do our best. And this is under a Roto, guys. Roto only. So just standard 5x5. Five five. Would you rather have 
Tommy Pham, Ramon Laureano, or Victor Robles for Roto purposes? Pham, Laureano, or Robles? Crosby, let's start with you. I'm going to go Laureano. Uh, I think he's basically a bit like Tommy Pham, but, uh, but younger, and they don't have a stack of a lineup as far as possibly eating into some of his playing time. He hasn't had the injury history. He's not 33 years old. So, yeah, I'll go with Laureano. Paulie? I will. I'll take Robles. Um, I I usually like Fam and have liked Fam for a while, um, but I think with everything that the the uh, Padres have done, it kind of makes it a lot easier for them to give him some off time. And I think that that's kind of one of the big things of concern. Um, Loriano, I think, is a guy that will have a year that's going to to pop at one point in time, and he might be you know a top thirty or so hitter. I don't necessarily know when that year is going to come, uh, but I think. <laughs> It's 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 there. It's just a matter of when exactly that's going to come. It's going to be hard to kind of pin that down because I think the the downside for him is significant. I think with Robles, like it hasn't exactly looked the way that we would want it to. And I know it's not a huge average, but I mean, he still has, you know, 20 to 30 stolen base pretty, pretty easily can get to 20 to 30 stolen bases where I don't think the other two guys have that same kind of, uh, you know, the same kind of season to to be, you know, banked on, I guess, in a sense. It's kind of it's, it's kind of about your build, right? So yes, Robles has got more yeah. more stolen base upside, less power yeah. upside. The yeah. other guys are a little more balanced, a little more pop. Uh, he and I think um, I, I haven't looked at it recently, but I think for a little while there he was hitting kind of. I think he, I think both him and Loriano are, are hitting near the top of the order, if not at yeah. the top of the order. Yeah. Um, and I think both of them are in. You know, those are pretty good off the the top end of those offenses is pretty good, so they should be able to score some runs. So. I definitely think it's more of a speed versus power kind of thing, like you were saying, mm-hmm. Rosie. Yep. Let's say you're in the same spot now. And you were like, well, I don't need an outfielder. Because, by the way, I wanted this to be clear. The reason I chose those three, Fam 142, Loriano 143, and Robles 148 ADP. So they're in a similar bunch that you usually mm-hmm. find. But let's say you want to go another route. Let's say you want to go pitcher. Would you rather have Kyle Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, or my main man, Frankie Montas. Uh, Paul, you go first on this one. Montas, Alcantara, or Lopez? I think uh, I think Montas is a guy I've ended up targeting a decent amount. Um, I think, you know, this last season was really bad. Um, but I think with with splitter guys, you'll kind of see this happen often. Um, it's kind of a pitch that when it's on, it's one of the, the best pitches in baseball that you can have. But when it's not, it kind of kind of ends up around the middle of the plate often. It gets hit decently hard and and I think what happened with Montas is it kind of went away from one of his strengths. Um, another big thing that it's not necessarily uh, – I don't know. We don't have enough information on it to really know if it's true or not. But uh, he did start working with the the Codify guys, which I know Alex Fast has talked about a lot, and a few of the other, uh, you know, um, Oakland A's guys. Liam Hendricks really talks big about them, uh, Lucas Giolito. And I think that it's kind of a, a pairing that might help him kind of understand what can help him be as good of a pitcher as he could possibly be. So he's definitely a guy I've been – buying it on cross what do you say about these three remember it's alcantara and lopez are teammates and then there's frankie montas of the a's yeah so i also like montas he's he's uh Shit, really well okay you're talking no, about 2019 ahead. through half a season uh you know throwing 97 12 uh swing and strike kind of a throws a heavy ball um and I had him down for an expected ERA of two and a half and uh, 1.06 uh, whip. So even better than what he actually put up. 
Um, I do also like uh, Pablo Lopez. Um, he's had a couple of, you know, last year with uh, a two-month sample size, and then the first three months or two and a half months or so of uh, 2019 uh, before he got hurt uh, in June. Matter of fact, I was going to go see him pitch. I was on my way down to Peru, and we had a layover in Miami, but their game started uh, like an hour or two earlier uh uh, then the flight got in, we got in late, but anyways, he got hurt that night and I had him on my squad. I love what I was seeing. He was having like a 25, 26% strikeout rate. It was all fully backed. Uh, the rest of the year when he came back, he was not the same guy. Uh, and then 2020, he, he went back to, you know, that kind of 22 to 24. I can't find him on my list here right now, but, um, he had, he had some good peripherals, uh, peripheral numbers. Um, so just kind of be a little bit, a little bit different. I'll go Pablo. I'm, I'm not an Alcantara uh, Al, Al guy at all. Shit, that really bums me out because I'm really big on Alcantara this year. Damn. I think if you, he's a guy that fits into a certain build. Like we were talking about with hitters, like you know, he's. I don't think he's going to rack up huge strikeout totals, but I think he's a pretty safe bet to go deep into games and get you a ton of innings. Because I mean, even when he came back from injury last year, they kind of just let him. It just let him run and throw as much as he wanted. In the playoffs, what he went like eight at least once, or he went eight in that game he pitched, or something like that. It, they give it; they have confidence to let him just rack up innings. Yeah, he's pretty elite in, go, in going deep. Yeah, I got breaking news here, guys. This is big. Our old pal, Rotovanic friend, Carmirano, has had a child. It's a oh, nice. Just can't lie on the slack. Nice. Well done. Congratulations, Karn. Her name yeah, is Mia. That's awesome, brother. Mia. Awesome. Welcome to the world, Mia Mayorano. Oh, that's awesome. Had to get that in there. I saw that live while we're talking. And I, hey, congratulations, Karn. I hope you guys, I hope it's healthy. You're healthy and your wife is resting and recovering now. So cheers. Woohoo! Congrats, Karn. Okay. Yes. Now back to baseball. So <laughs> uh, we got a guy here. Sam, Sam Jakobowitz, he checks in regularly. He wants to know real quick, and this is totally random. How do you guys feel about Javi Baez this season? Uh, anybody can take this first. Go ahead. Go ahead, Crosby. Uh, I'm fine with him. You know, there's a lot of lot of people who do not like uh, his batted ball profile as far as, uh, I should say, his, his play discipline. Um, I'm okay with those guys. You know, basically – uh, your ability to hit is not just how often you contact the ball, like a, like an Adam Eaton. Uh, we've seen guys like um, uh, like an Aaron Judge or a Stanton uh, be able to pull off, you know, two sixty to two eighty batting averages, uh, striking out, you know, sixty five percent of the time. And so I, I'm okay with a bias. Adds in a little bit of speed. Uh, you know, at least gives you that 15, 16, 17 stolen bases in the middle. He kind of ends that tier before you get to Swanson. Um, and I personally, when I build teams, I don't like to have guys in my middle infield that don't provide um, don't provide any kind of steals unless I've got a real high end guy. That's you know, if I started with well. Um, you know, a Marte or a Whit Merrifield or something yeah. I can count on in the 30 steel range. I'm, at that point, I'm okay going with a Correa or a Swanson. But if I have not, then, you know, I, I'm looking to make sure that I'm, that I'm, he's kind of that last of the tier for me before it falls off to, to Swanson and, and Correa. Yeah. Baez, uh, it's just not the kind of guy I want to, I don't know. I just don't like his profile. I don't like what he brings to the table. He's too streaky for me at times. 
depending on the format, maybe a best ball, I might take a run at him because he could provide some big-time weeks here and there. But I just think there's a lot of shortstop players that are much more usable, and I think I can rely on a little bit more. But that's just me. What do I know? I'm just a guy talking about fantasy baseball. No, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's a popular thing that the, you know, the, the plate discipline thing has definitely become something uh, – uh, that, that people are concerned about in the in the last you know five ten years whatever but I'm doing kind of the predictive stats um, of the yes. stat cast stuff um, I'm not so worried about projecting um, you know the walk rates and the contact rates and stuff like that I've got the data already there telling me that you know this guy could be a 260 to 275 hitter. And he comes with power and he comes with a little bit of speed and his numbers are, you know, his, his fantasy numbers are his fantasy numbers. He may not fit the bill of what you would like if you were uh, the head coach of a baseball team, right? It gets really yeah. annoying when you're striking out with, with uh, men on third and less than two outs. But uh, in fantasy, that doesn't that quite matter as much. So, Yeah, maybe I've got the wrong approach. I might have to go back into my shed and reconsider my bias opinions. I'm an, I don't have a shed, but if I did, you can imagine what it looks like out back. Imagine me in a shed, like in the middle of the night, doing weird shit with fantasy. Uh, that's actually what I think you do all the time. But whatever. Uh, yeah. Big Farva, what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? No. Oh, oh, yeah. Is that waiting? Right. <laughs> that's uh, Super Troopers. Very oh, good. Gotcha. Close. All right, so <clears throat> let's move on to uh, one of my favorite bits that we do on the show. Insane fantasy takes. Why are you taking that player? Insane fantasy That's right. Some people call them bold takes. Some people call them hot player? takes. Whatever the hell you want to call them. On this show, we call them insane fantasy takes as a tribute to Cypress Hill. 90s classics. Hall of Famers. Hip-hop Hall of Famers. No doubt about it. West Coasters, too. Yep, that you sh- you should be a big fan, Crosby. West Coast. I am a fan of theirs. Uh, yeah, I was actually uh, invited to his thirtieth birthday party. Couldn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> be real, baby. Be real. <laughs> I love be real. Yeah, I did a really good be real. I didn't do a great sin dog there. I got to work on my sin dog. So, anyways, I want to get these guys on the record. These guys know baseball, so you don't have to like blow us away. You don't have to be crazy about it. But you know, take a. Take a shot here. Paul, give us an insane fantasy take. Uh, all right. I, I, I put two down. I'm trying to figure out which one I want to go with first. But uh, I guess I'll go with I think Brady Singer has a shot to be a – I think I put starting pitcher two. I'll, yeah. I'll even I'll even say he could be a – you know, there's a minimal chance he becomes a, an SP1 this year. Ooh. I think that everything he does I'm, – I'm actually planning on writing an article a little bit about it. But one of the things that he does really well is he generated a lot of called strikes. Um to a point that I think we had this conversation. I, I I've comped him a few times, um, like profile wise, to early Aaron Nola, where I think that was one of the knocks on Nola early was he he got a lot of called strikes. The swinging strike rate wasn't as high as I think everyone wanted it to be um, from from a young ace in you know in waiting. Um, but Singer's a guy with really great control, uh, really like good command that you know the walk numbers might not necessarily be there, but the I think he generates enough called strikes. That if he also can up his swinging strike rate at all, I think his K rate's going to explode, and he's going to kind of be a guy who could, who could be a you know next year we're drafting him in the the range we're drafting a, a Zach Gallon or we're drafting guys like that this year. Insane fantasy takes. Yes, 
Dude, I give me all that. I've been drafting Brady Singer like a madman. I've been I, on board with you on this one for a while. The, he's he's a guy who I, I get he's you know young and and he has I guess innings pitch concerns and maybe the Royals won't win too many games. But I mean, everybody does it, this year though. <laughs> yeah, in 2019 he threw like 130 innings in his first year in the minors. Um, but I I don't understand why he's going in the the mid 200s. That just doesn't make sense to me. I it think won't happen again. No, no, no way. Unless, you know, everything blows up. But yeah. But I'm still using him as he's like my SP five, usually four or five yeah. or six because of the innings concerns. But yeah, I'm going to get great return on that. I really feel confident. He's a bulldog on the mound. He's a gamer. He almost threw a no hitter last year. They, they threw him in and he responded positively. I, that, I like that. I like when a guy gets thrown in. At, he's kind of younger. I know he played in college, so it wasn't like he was a high schooler, but he responded yeah. well. If I'm not mistaken, too, he got the he got the worst of the central, like in terms of the offense. I think he got the White Sox a couple times. He got the I mean, the Indians weren't great last year, but they were still, you know, a pretty decent team. He wasn't, yeah. you know, he wasn't feasting on. Obviously, he wasn't feasting on the Royals, He, but it wasn't all, you know, Detroit Tiger offense, uh, offense oh. driven kind of success. <laughs> Except Willie Castro. Well, yeah, that's because he's the greatest baseball player ever. Duh. Sorry, uh, Brandon, you know, Brandon Belt is the greatest baseball player ever. Cool. Uh, I thought it was Drew Smiley. Uh, he's not on the Giants anymore. I can't hype him up as much. Oh, okay. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. He, uh, you know, he faced the White Sox and he uh, he was all right. He wasn't bad. So he, uh, he didn't matter who he faced. He got ripped by the White Sox one outing, and he did pitch some of his best games against Cleveland and Detroit, which are some of the weakest offenses last year. But I don't care about that. I still think. The profile, who he is, the mentality, and how he locates. Everything that you've described previously way better than I ever have is why I like him. All right. Crosby, give us insane fantasy takes. Let's hear it. Yes, I don't know how insane this is, but I'll say A.J. Puck and Tony Gonsolin between the months of May through August are top 15 pitchers. And the reason why I say between those months because it might take them a little bit of time to get in the rotation, but you look at the you look at the Dodgers, they've got three guys in the rotation that are constantly hurt, uh, and that they may you know look to to preserve anyways. Um, AJ Puck um, missed last season; uh, he's had some injury history, but it's not exactly like that uh, that rotation is keeping him. That's uh, so that the talent that's keeping him from there. His his minor league numbers and his brief stint in the majors just uh, just blow me away. Um, so I see Tony Gonsolin as kind of being maybe even a, a, a similar version, at least with the stats that I'm getting, um, of kind of a Zach Gallon, uh, maybe that 25 to 28% um, strikeout rate, low whip, um, not quite sure where the walk rate's going to be. You know, Gallon's had some issues with the with, uh, – with the walk rate the last couple of years, but he didn't show that in the minors. Gonsolin's kind of been up at you know nine percent down into four down to three percent. So um, he's kind of been up and down. But I like AJ Puck and Tony Gonsolin once they kind of get a footing in there to uh, to make some noise. Beautiful. I am all about that. These are some quality insane fantasy takes. Nice job, guys. Uh, we can do more of these, but uh, in terms of being efficient with our show, I'd like us to move along and continue on to the last segment here so we can get in players that we're trying to avoid. We we prefer not to draft them. You know, We're not necessarily saying they're terrible people or anything. We just don't necessarily want them on our teams. And I can understand why 
you can make a case for almost any player at certain points, but there's also times where you just got to stay away because there's red flags. They're out there. Trust me, they're I out there. I would do out there. anything for an ace. I'd sacrifice my first five picks. I would do anything for an ace. I'd even draft play second round two. You know, there's a lot of things we'll do for players, but sometimes we are not willing to go all the way for them. All right, Crosby, let's start with you first. Give us a player or two. You can go any direction you want here that you're avoiding at their ADP or you're trying to avoid altogether. Or if it's a specific scenario, it's fine. You just tell us what the context is. Yeah, I got three of them, and it's at their ADP. Um, I got Eloy Jimenez. It's just, it just baffles me uh, that he's going at like 32, 33. I just... I, I, I don't understand that. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero also at his cost. And, and like I said, I like, I like these guys. I like these players. It's just mathematically, it just doesn't make sense as to where they're going. Uh, you draft Eloy Jimenez in your outfield. He's going to get you zero stolen bases. You're immediately 11 bags behind the eight ball. Um, and then uh, pitching wise, uh, Sandy Alcantara, I, I, I get the velocity. You know, guy throwing 96, 97 miles an hour, going deep into games. Points league guy, uh, definitely a better uh, a better area for him. But both with his major league equivalents from his minor league numbers as well as the sample size he's showing in the game, you're looking at between like an 18 to 21% strikeout guy. That's less than league average. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the walk rate hasn't been uh, completely amazing. It's in the you know eight and a half, the nine and a half range. Um, he's going, I want to say, Overall pitcher 52 uh, over his last couple of seasons. I've got him just numbers wise um, more like starting pitcher like 52, 50, 54, something like that. So yeah, I just, I'm, he's, he's not, he's not my kind of pitcher points league guy. Okay. Um, but in Roto, I, I just, uh, I, I can't, I can't do it. Shit. All right. I was just looking at my shares of players I have on NFBC, and I have five shares of him. So that's 50% of my leagues on NFBC. And I want to say one more thing about Eloy Jimenez. You know, I heard people talk about, you know, one thing we don't consider is runs, and we need to consider that when we think about Springer, right? That that is a category and how huge he is in runs. Eloy Jimenez is the opposite of George Springer. The guy would have to hit like 330. Uh, and in the middle to the top of the lineup to get 98 to 100 runs. I mean, he walks. I would much rather go with a Michael Conforto who's going to walk 40 to 50 times more, steal six to eight bags more um, than and – he, and he's going, what, 40 picks Forty picks later? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love Eloy. He's six foot four of thundering fun. But mathematically, the way he fits into your, you know, your your rotisserie lineup, 
I'm sorry, man. 32 is just ridiculous. Wow, there it is. That is the honest kind of talk I want on this show. Thank you so much. Sometimes a player is who they are, you know? They're not going to change necessarily. You hope they will, but they don't, you know? And you want me to change? Fuck you! <laughs> it won't. It just doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm a little bummed about the Alcantara talk. I think there's some projective growth possible for him. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and I really respect you, so that's why I'm kind of bummed about it. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's not universal that I own him, but he's certainly been like an SP3 I've been focused on. So Yeah, and I mean, and we've seen guys scouting-wise make a jump, right? So I'm not saying Al Alcantara can't, but no, basically no. his numbers that he's shown in the majors so far are kind of like what he's done in the minors, So which are which are perfectly good, just not – 52nd pitcher, including closers off the board. Good. Gotcha. Sandy Alcantara. Someone to keep an eye on, but be wary. All right, Paul, give us people you're either avoiding or not. However the context is laid out, lay it out for us. Um, I mean, the, the, the first hitter, I think I'd say, you know, when I'm scrolling through things and looking at ADP and stuff, the, the guy that kind of jumps off to me is I don't fully love it is uh, Boba Shett going, you know, in the top like 20 or so picks. Um, I think he may have fallen off a little bit more, but I think for me, there's a, there's a clear, um, there's a clear group of shortstops that I like more than him. And then if I, I get to a point where I don't have one, there's guys behind him, you know, Bogarts, I'd, I'd kind of rather Lindor or Tim Anderson. I think I like Bichette a lot. I think he's a really good player. Uh, I think he's going to hit, you know, high, high 200s to 300 if, if we can get there, you know, for sure. But I don't know if I believe that he's going to be able to steal consistently, you know, 15 to 20 bases. Um, and I just don't know if I'm confident enough in him being able to um, kind of be a, a 30 to 35, 20 guy, where I think with a guy like Bogarts, there's a better shot of getting, you know, 30 plus home runs and 10 steals from him. Um, so I think it's more just kind of a cost thing for me with Bichette that I think he's good. It's just not not the kind of player I'm targeting in that range. Hmm. Crosby, any quick response to that? I kind of agree. I mean, he's kind of a, you know, you take a look at, he's, he doesn't have the athleticism of, you know, a, a trade turner or some of the, some of the top guys. Um, even though the, the, the numbers on the, on our projections, the math, if you will project out pretty well for him, you know, he does have a, a high caught stealing. Um, he kind of gets the most out of who he is. And at 22, 23, 24 years old, you know, he can get a lot out of that. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's a, he's a max effort guy, and I don't know if that's going to be a consistent season-to-season -season thing. That's, you know, that's um, – so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But he's – I mean, he's obviously a good player, but he, but uh, but Paul's right. In that range, when you're looking at it, Alex Bregman, Bogarts, Whit Merrifield, Rondon – Kyle Tucker, uh, Rafael Devers, Albies, Seager, those guys going behind him, I would I, I would feel more comfortable taking him kind of in that, I don't know, 20 picks later range. Yeah, pr pretty much. I think it's mostly just a cost thing for me with yeah. Bichette that, that I think we get so excited. Um, he's one of the guys that we get really excited about, you know, extrapolating what he's done so far out to a full season. And I think it's kind of hard to, you know, he's he's had probably what, 100 or so plate appearances in 2019 and then 100 or so plate appearances in, in 2020. You know, he's talented, but we haven't seen him do it on a on a full scale for a long period of time. And I just don't like paying that that price that we have to for him there.
Yeah, and his surface stats are completely backed by yeah. the uh, the Statcast data. Um, but still, it is a small sample size. He's doing in the pros uh, what he hasn't. Uh, you know, he's doing more in the pros or in the bigs than he did in the minors. Um, but uh, nonetheless, he's a good ball player, great ball player, just not at that cost, not yet. Yeah, no, exactly. That, that's kind of my main my main gripe with him. And then on the the pitching side, the guy I kind of talked about it on uh, on Mason's Potapalooza, but uh, I just don't like Max Freed at his cost. Um, I think that what he did last year was incredible. I mean, he was really talented, but it was driven by, I always get concerned when a starting pitcher's success is driven by a pretty much minuscule or non-existent home run rate. I think he, he had like a, a 0.2 home runs per nine or something, something just absolutely ridiculous. And most of it was driven by his fastball. And I just have very little faith that guys like that are going to be able to maintain, um, their elite ability on contact with a fastball and something like that. So I just think that there's a lot of room for him to kind of bounce back to what he was doing before because the rest of the peripherals are just fine. They're not exactly, you know, elite, like we're, and we're not taking him where it's elite, but there's, you know, Ryu is going in that same range. Kyle Hendricks is going in that same range. I'd much rather the guys that have done this exact same thing for three, four years than the guy who only did it for one year. I have given a name to my pain. Yeah, clearly not a fan of Max Freed. I understand that. Uh, we talked about him yesterday with the Upper Decker crew, and some of them liked him. But I just would rather have all the pitchers around him and wait on another pitcher. I'd rather have Hendricks every day of the week, in my opinion, over Freed. Yeah, especially this Cros- year. Crosby. Have you figured out any like what is a uh, how does Hendricks grade out with your uh, projections or or with all the numbers in general? I guess um, just because every system has a hard time with him. Yeah, so let me take a look. Uh, JK, sorry. Um, so basically, it. Let me give you uh, 2019. He had a three. This is his actual stats. He had a 3.46 ERA and a 1.13 WHIP. Um, I had him down for a 3.41 and a 1.13 WHIP. So basically, surface stats, um, and then exact. Uh, exactly what they were and then in 2020 he had a 2.88 era with a one whip i had him with an expected 3.3 era and a 1.01 whip so i mean he basically nails um his stats he's not my kind of pitcher because i do like the strikeout guys more however i mean his value is his value right um I would wish he had a 24, 25, 26% strikeout rate. He never will throw in 87 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> but the guy the guy has given up uh, weak contact for five friggin' years now, people. It's not – I mean, it may change at some point. I don't know if that's going to happen at 31. What's he going to do, lose a couple miles on his velocity? So um, the guys – I like the guy. I mean, I, I uh, it's almost like Granky has morphed into Kyle Hendricks uh, over the years, and Kyle Hendricks is just a unique dude. But he's his uh, surface stats are completely backed up by uh, by the stat cast. Yeah, it's it's hard to. I mean, I've spent a lot of time doing it. I'm sure you've probably tried to too. I, I still can't figure out a way to truly, you know, separate if a pitcher has control over <clears throat> what happens on contact, but. If there's anybody that can do it, it's him because he's done it for five years now. We we have a long-standing series of success for him. 
Right. Well, I think I, I you know, and, that, and that's a question that uh, that's been asked. I think, look, you play ball. I play ball. We got and we see these pitchers that were just absolute studs, right? And guys were dribbling the ball off of them, right? So he's just. I think if he threw ninety eight uh, and was striking out thirty eight percent of the guys, we wouldn't question the fact that he's controlling how hard they they hit the the ball. It's the fact that he gives up so much contact that it's hard to fathom that he that he can control that. But I mean, the numbers are there after five, six years, however long he's been doing this now. Um, you you got to believe it. I mean, I was a, I was a, I was a guy <laughs> and would just watch guys get frustrated popping the ball up. Like, so, I mean, I, I get it that there's definitely something to it. We've seen it yeah. with a lot of pitchers. It's just a matter of we, we can't, we have a hard time as, you know, I guess you can go with the nerds of baseball when we can't really explain why something is happening. We have a hard time believing that it's still real, but I mean, he's done it for, for so many years now. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned recently as a, you know, as I try to become a better fantasy player is sometimes just something's been happening for long enough. You just trust that it's actually there and it's actually right. real. You don't need yeah. something telling you this is real. The trend is there. The results are there. Then we just got to accept it. So thank you. That was a really great analysis. I do appreciate that. That is the end of the segment of the players, you know, wouldn't do that for necessarily players were avoiding kind of mostly likely uh, it'd be take a lot. You know what? There's a lot of guys that drop a lot. Sometimes they fall, fall and fall. Hi Sung Kim is a guy who's fallen in a lot of drafts I've been in. And eventually I'll take him because it's worth it. But there's just times where I'm not going to be taking players like you guys just described quite well. Eloy Jimenez, Max Free. These are really well done. And I want to commend you guys for doing fine work. All right. It is. Oh, we got a quick question here from Sam. Sam's back. He wants to know, how do you guys feel about Tyler Glass now this year as the Rays ace? I'll, I'll take it. Um, I mean, I love Glass now because I'm like you were saying, Crosby, I I also tend to fall um, fall in love with guys with the big K rates. And I think Glass now is kind of one of those one of those guys that you watch him pitch and you're just, you know, in awe of what he can do with a with a baseball. Um, but I definitely think there's there's concern with him with innings, but one of the things that I've kind of started to do a little more is I think that we're going to see a lot of the guys um, push back on innings. Um, you know, the, there's still going to be some high totals, but I think everything's going to kind of find more of a middle as opposed to everybody uniformly losing 20 innings or so. I think we're going to have a lot more guys in the, the 140 range as opposed to everybody just cutting off a certain amount of innings from their previous totals. So I think his innings pitch numbers that you're concerned about aren't going to be as much of a concern this year. Huh. Okay. I feel like last year we did a quality start video about him. And you sent me some of those Woba charts that are part yeah. of the data monster now, and they were really telling. And I feel like it was in a negative way, but maybe I, I... one of the things that I noticed with him, I think I wrote about him last year. The was... fastball usage, I think maybe it was, sorry, not to overstep. Yeah, no, no. Um, his fastball is kind of all over the place. One of the things that's really weird with him is that it doesn't make a lot of sense, but he generated a lot of called strikes with his breaking ball. And early in the year last year, he was kind of throwing more of them below the zone. And I think that was making his fastball worse as a result because, you know, if he wasn't able to get the curveball over for a strike, then hitters can kind of sit on his fastball. And, yeah, it's an elite fastball and everything with that. But if you're not throwing it in great locations, you're still going to get hit. Um, so I think when when he was successful and when he was on, and I remember watching a few games, 
is when he's able to throw that curveball for a strike. And when he does throw a curveball for a strike, then it makes his fastball that much better. And he can get away with kind of having, you know, subpar location with the pitch. Yeah, and my, and my metrics love him, uh, both when I say my metrics, my interpretation of, of StatCast, um, as well as I have a, a metric of my own that I, I judge pitchers on. It's kind of a modified K minus walk. It's got a little bit more to it. And um, he's elite in every facet. So now the only facet he isn't is if you want to take a look at like his fan graphs, uh, you know, if you, if, if you want to consider he's, he's got three pitches technically, uh, two of them are plus pitches, zero of them are elite as far as outcomes go. Um, but I don't care because it generates great stuff. Um, you know, we're talking about last year at a 1.780 ERA. I am for a 147 in uh, 2020. Uh, that was that was I'm sorry that was in uh, 2019. Last year he had a 408. I had him for a 3.35. Uh, low whips, high strikeouts. Uh, you know, not great control last year, but in uh, in 2019 a 5.9 uh, percent walk rate. So he doesn't get hit hard. Uh, so yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a guy. You know, talking with some of the guys we've we've gone over so far too. Like he's a guy that you compare with a, a Hendricks or an Alcantara who's going to throw a lot of innings mm-hmm. but not necessarily have the high strikeout rate. And you can kind of balance those two those two extremes where you can get a lot of your extra strikeouts from him and you can make up for that with a, with a lower K guy in the future that's going to throw you a ton of innings. Yeah, it's kind of like what Matt did last year the, in the preseason, kind of taking two guys and making one, one good player across the two. Exactly. Frankenstein. Yes, there you That's go. That's right. Yeah. Well, that was quite informative. I had Bubba on the show from Bench with Bubba, a very reputable fantasy anal- analyst in his own right with his own show that he does with Batflip Crazy, Toby. Shout out to those guys. They do great work, and they kicked our ass in the fantasy baseball bracket tournament. And Bubba was just laying out this whole line about why he's avoiding Tyler Glass now entirely. So it's so fascinating to try mm-hmm. to come to our own conclusions here because everybody... Yeah. He's a smart guy. You guys are smart yeah. guys. I mean, everybody that is talking on the show generally knows what they're talking about, but they can see different things. And that's absolutely that's what this is all about. That's why this industry will always thrive because there's always going to be disagreements. And I think it might also come from, you know, he obviously has a way, he probably has a way of lurk, looking at players that has worked for him, right? Maybe in the last two years, three years, four years, whatever it's been, that this certain profile is the kind of guy that's been successful for him. And, you know, the guys that have been successful for me are the guys that, you know, that I'm mentioning here that, that have the, the higher, higher uh, K rates and, uh, you know, some of the stats that I've been mentioning, swinging strike rates and velocity and, and, you know, what comes out of the stat cast. So, yeah. Wow, good stuff. I wish I could remember what Bubba said because I'd love to challenge the argument. But we got to wrap this show up here. We got to do Shine and Ride the Pine before we get the hell out of here because I want to get you guys on the record with final predictions on projections. This is the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Road of Fanatic Podcast Network. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, YouTube, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. We're out there in live stream podcast form. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would be really nice. If you guys like the show, we welcome that. Thank you so much. And if you want to email us, palazzopodcast at protonmail.com. Any questions, suggestions, ideas are all 
welcome. All right, this is the part of the show where we lay out some predictions based on the projection set. And why not? Let's just use the projections. Crosby's going to be making decisions on his predictions, on his own projections, in a sense, by using today's Roto-Fanatic projections, which you can find at rotofanatic.com. I thought about using someone else's, but I was like, hey, let's see what Crosby thinks. Because he said, this is yeah. math. These are not your opinions. Right. Right? Correct. So now we're going to get your opinions on the matter. And we're going to start. You guys know how this game's played, right? It's not complicated. It's shine or ride the pine. You're either going to say, hey, I'm in, or you're going to ride the pine and say no. No pushes here. All right, here we go. Let's start off with Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves on the rotofanatic.com projections. Austin Riley's penciled in for 31 home runs this year. Paul Mamino, shine or ride the pine? I think he's going to hit that. If he gets everyday playing time, then yeah, I'll I'll shine, I guess, if we're going to go with the game. Um, I think he has that kind of power in him, and I think if he if he hits every if he plays every day, he's definitely a, a thirty home run guy. Beautiful, Crosby. How, what do you think of this? <laughs> yeah, no, I will. I, I will. Uh, I will shine that. Uh, like Paul says, if he gets the the full time playing time, now it doesn't seem like he's he's got guys that are that are knocking him over. So I think he will. You know, unless he he does have a profile that he could struggle with strikeouts. Batting average gets some frustration, but it's not like he's, you know, got a guy right on his tail that could knock him out. So I think he will get the playing time, and I, I could uh, I could definitely see him. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll shine that. I'll go home and get your fucking shine box. All right. Shining it all day long. Shine box is a negative connotation, but shine here means good news for Austin Riley. As we move forward here with Rotofanatic projections, which you can find at rotofanatic.com, just click on the projections tab. You can follow along if you're listening to this podcast. Brandon Lau, not low, Brandon Lau of the Tampa Bay Rays. He's expected to have a 325 or higher OBP. Shine or ride the pine, Crosby, at a 325 or higher OBP. Uh, I will shine that. Beautiful. Paul? Uh, yeah, I'll take it as well. I've, I've always been a pretty big uh Brandon Lau fan. Um, the the concern for him was kind of the same thing. It was always playing time, but the Rays kind of let him go and do whatever he wanted last year. He played pretty much every single game. Um, so I, I think that there's no question the skill. So I'll, I'll take the, I'll shine that. Oh yeah, I'll shine that all day. I, I feel like that's low, but that's incorporate Like Crosby explained earlier, incorporates multi-years and you know, he wasn't always elite. He's getting there, he's building. He still hasn't played a full season either. We should be aware of that, but if he actually plays less games, he could have a higher OBP because it's a smaller amount of opportunities. Uh, by the way, I forgot to ride the pine on Austin Riley's home run number. I'm riding the pine on that one. Next up is Jesus Aguilar of the Marlins. I think they like him as the starting first baseman. Garrett Cooper's there, but they don't necessarily trust him as the full-time starter. It's a, it's a log jam. Marlins have a lot of players, positional players in particular. But could we expect 23 or more home runs this year from Jesus Aguilar, Paul Mamino? I'm riding the pine on that. Um, I think that Aguilar is a, a pretty good player, but I think from the Marlins standpoint, um, there's not really a reason to keep playing him every single day if he's not, you know, a superstar. And I don't necessarily think he's a superstar. Um, I think that there's a good chance that they let, you know, they see what Lewin Diaz can do, or, or they see what, you know, if they actually have something in Garrett Cooper. So I'll I'll ride the pine on that home run total. Crosby. If they have a DH, yes. If they do not, no. <laughs> caveat you but that's fair because you know that's not exactly a cop-out 
If the DH comes into play, that'll change everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, like you said, like the, the Marlins have a ton of a ton of players for not a lot of spots that are that are interesting enough. And I think it kind of is the kind of thing where if Aguilar struggles at all out of the gate, then they'll just replace him. Yeah, I didn't even mention Lou and Diaz too. Yeah, it's just a mess. There's a lot yeah, of going on there. There are a lot of guys. <laughs> all right, how about this guy, Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies, the ageless wonder, the guy everybody loves to hate at least when it comes to baseball drafts that I've seen. Could we expect Charlie Blackman, according to Rotofanatic projections, to have 103 or more runs scored this year? Crosby, 103 or more runs scored? Uh, health willing, yes. So at his current projection, yeah, 100, 103 runs, that's, uh, that, that's definitely doable. Okay, yeah, this is all based on an assumption of 162-game season, by the way. Paul? Uh, yes, because we've seen no matter how bad the Rockies actually are, they still score a ton of runs because they play at home. Um, and I, I think I remember looking into this a little while back. They like, I think on the road, they have the least run scored since like 2000 or something stupid like that. But they have like the most run scored at home. And so it doesn't matter how good or bad they are. They will still score runs. And if he's going to hit at the top of the order, hitting behind story and then whatever else they decide to throw out there. I still think he's going to be able to rack up some pretty big run totals. If you throw out last year's short sample size, he has not not scored 100 runs since 2015. 2015. So I don't think he had a beard then, right? Uh, he might have just started growing it. Yeah, it was probably yeah. in its infancy. That's a good point. And who knows? Maybe that impacted his uh, aerodynamic ability. I'm not sure. Slowed him down last season. Who can say for sure? All right, let's try this guy. How about Jose Ramirez, Cleveland? He's known as, you know, top 10 player. Quite often drafted that way. Top 10 overall fantasy player. Will he hit 275 or better in 2021? Paul Mamino. I'm going to I'm going to say under on that. Uh, oh. I think that he's going to I think it's one of the things where he he might be, you know, if you need a 265 average, he might be right around the, the 260 to 70 range, but the, the power is still real and the ability to steal bases are real, and that still makes him a, a viable first-round pick in my mind. Absolutely. 275 or better average. Shine it right the pine, Crosby. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've just absolutely nailed it perfectly on this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think he's also going to be under. I can see more in the the, the high 260s uh, or even mid-260s. Um, and I still am wondering how this uh, – how this uh, – Dead and ball is going to act. The guy mm. does put the ball in the air. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go under. Nothing. You know, we're talking about four or five hits here. But uh, yeah, in, in the in the two sixties. Yeah, yeah. If he gets injured or something, it could be the difference right there. No doubt about it. And just for clarification, to Paul's point, Rotofanatic projections have him for thirty thirty season which is badass. 33 homers, 32 steals. So that would be fantastic return. I don't care if he hits 250 or 240. Yeah. Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton plays for the Chicago White Sox, and he could be hitting in the two-hole. He's a veteran. He's a savvy, cagey veteran. Can we expect a 360 or better OBP in 2021? Crosby. Yeah, I will say yes. Um, I think that batting average of 280, that the, the contributes to that 360 on base percentage um, is I think he can actually hit even a little bit higher than that. Um, now he is 32. That's not too bad. So yeah, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with the 360. I'll shine that. Paul. 
I'll, I'll take the under because I think last year was kind of the beginning of I think he's had a, a long stretch of being a elite contact guy hit for a good average you know walks enough to get to a decent OBP but I think last year was kind of the beginning of the end of his uh, elite contact ability it was a short sample and all that stuff but I think he's he's going to be a guy that when the time comes it's going to fall quick I'm going to shine it I love Adam Eaton I especially love him in Chicago this year I think he's still got life in them legs I'll take a 360 OBP or better all day long and if I'm wrong then I'll probably finish last in my league <laughs> Eh, he doesn't cost you much, so he's not going to kill you. Yeah, okay, good. That makes me feel better. Andrew McCutcheon, good old Kutch, one of the finest men in baseball. Such a good dude. But, you know, he tore his ACL a couple years ago. He's not getting any younger. He could be hitting leadoff, though, for a possibly dynamic lineup. Can we expect Andrew McCutcheon, of all people, to give us 93 or more runs scored? Paul Lomino. If he hits at the top of the order every day, yeah, he's still an elite OBPS uh lead OBP player um, he's going to get on base a ton he's not you know doesn't have the power he used to have he doesn't run as much as he used to but like you were saying that Phillies lineup has a lot of talent behind him uh, you know with Har- Harper probably hitting behind him some of the some of those other guys you know in the up in that order I think if he's hitting leadoff every single game this year not 93 runs or even 100 runs is definitely not out of uh, out of the wrong possibility Andrew McCutcheon 93 or more runs scored Crosby yeah, I'm doing 10 more than that. I'm going to go 103 as uh, as the push number for him. So, yeah, I'll shine that. Wow, hell yeah, man. That's impressive. All right, a couple more here. We'll call it a day. How about Mark Canna? Mark Canna of the Oakland Athletics. Been hitting leadoff at some points during spring. He's known as a guy who gets on base. Will Mark Canna give us 26 or more home runs in 2021? Crosby Spencer. No, no, I'm not. I'm not on that. Um, I think this is so there's been times when, you know, we talked earlier in the pod about uh, any guys that surprised me kind of came out of nowhere. This is a guy that has had he's had some waves of some some nice performance, some nice time. I've had him on my team uh, during some of those waves and and, and he's treated me well. Uh, 26 home runs with uh, he's going to. I, I don't see it. That's a tough ballpark to hit in. Um, if we have any kind of deadening on the ball, and I, yeah, I, I, I'm not feeling the 26 home runs for Canna. Ouch. Mark Canna, 26 or more home runs. Paul Mamino. You you won't let me hedge, so I'll say 25 home runs, and I'll take the because <laughs> I think that's like right about what I would expect from him. Um, you know, the 20, <laughs> 22 to 26 range. So I guess I'll take the under on it, but. You know, I, I think he's a he's good for where you're drafting him, but he's definitely not a. Uh, it's not going to be a guy that pops a 35 home run season in there. All right, that's fine. I, I like Canna much more in OBP leagues, though. He could be much more valuable because he oh, does yeah. get on base. Yeah, he, he chips in a couple steals too, or at least he did last year. I mean, so he's. Yeah, we've got yeah, him for down for four, four steals, 366 OBP. So yeah, he's got his worth. It's just isn't necessarily in the home run column. Yeah. Right. Doesn't kill yet. Good point. Good point there. Mike Yastrzemski of the San Francisco Giants. I don't think I have him anywhere. I cannot recall where I've drafted him once. But uh, people like him, and he's had some good years here and there. Can we expect Mike Yastrzemski, the distant relative of good old original Yaz, to hit 29 or more home runs? Paul Mamino, shout out to Ride the Pine. 
I'm not, not I'll run the pot on the power, but I, I do have a few um, a few shares of his. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's he's shown us in his what almost a full season between 19 and 20 that he he can hit for a good average and um, he's going to hit for enough power in the middle, you know, top to middle of a, a Giants lineup that, it, as we've joked about a little bit, I, I do really like a lot of the Giants players. <laughs> so Wilmer Flora, that, shout out. I think I try not to mention that. Um, I did it I, for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. But I think the you know that lineup is a little better than we tend to give it credit for, um, and they're they're going to score enough runs that I think he'll be a, a pretty decent player for uh, fantasy purposes. But I, I'm not buying you know 30 home run power for him. Hold on to your butts. What about you, Crosby? Shine around yeah. the pine on 29 bombs. Yeah, I'm going to ride the pine on that. And let's not forget, I mean, he's had you know. He had, he had a nice little little run last year. He's he's been a good little ball player when he came up. There's a reason why he's 30 years old, uh, uh, <laughs> and, and not getting that much experience. His minor league numbers were nothing great. Also, a left-handed batter in San Francisco. Uh, that is a very, I believe it was 2017 through 2019. That that place robbed like 24 home run or the schedule of San Francisco robbed Brandon Belt of 20 set, 24 home runs, something like that, something crazy uh, over that period of time. Um, and also, and, and I mean this by no disrespect to, to anybody out there, there's so many people that do such great work. I'm not buying the um, uh, the arches shut thing. Um, ah, uh, it's just about makes, the new wind tunnel thing. Uh, yeah, it makes was... no sense to me. Uh, great, the the right fielder can't feel the wind, but you know those arches are below the fence line, so having them closed, if anything, seems like it would push the wind up over uh, up over the fence. And I I did a study of the the same time frame between 2019 and, and 2020, and it was actually a little bit worse um expected uh home runs out there so um yeah i'm not buying the whole thing and it, that place is still really tough on lefties so my long-winded way of saying uh ride the pine this is america jack speaking of the golden arches yeah i gotta tell you i will ride the pine that as well finally to close it out let's go with max kepler of the minnesota twins a guy who's just kind of always there but he doesn't go away because he produces enough at least that's how i've always seen him and he's known for his power, so let's just go on the power. 25 home runs is what Roto-Fanatic projections have him penciled in for. Crosby Spencer, 25 or more home runs for Max Kepler. Shine or ride the pine? You know what? I, I'm going to change my answer from earlier that not, that nothing really surprised me. Max Kepler kind of surprised me. Um, this is actually one that I would like to look a little bit deeper at. I, I did a deep dive from uh, 2019 on uh, Marcelo Zuna having 22 less hits than I was expected. And I found some pretty fun information on that. I actually want to look into Kepler why um, I have him at such a low number. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say uh, that he's going to go over that. Uh, not necessarily by a huge amount. There's obviously a reason here that came to this number, but I'm going to say over that. And this one actually does surprise me that his, his uh, power is at 25. I do now remember seeing it. You know, because I want to fit in. Max Kepler's a guy who's just kind of always there. Paul Mamino, Max Kepler, 25 or more home runs. Final answer here, shine or ride the pine. Shine, I think he's more of a 30 home run kind of guy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Even though I don't, I'm not a big fan of him, I think he hits 30 home runs and he'll hit 240, and that's what and he he's does. He's going to hit at the top of the order and score a ton of runs, and he's, you know, if you can absorb the the sub 250 batting average, then he's a really good fantasy player. I remember opening day last year of the uh, Bozo season. He came right out and hit a bomb on the first pitch that Lucas Giolito threw a fastball. <laughs> he just crushed it. Everyone's like, oh, that's it. Lucas Giolito sucks. Back cup. <laughs> Classic. Classic. <laughs> All right. Well, there it is, man. This was fantastic. I had a great time, guys, as we should. Fun, I mean, man. we're all roto-fanatic brethren here. We should get along and have a good time. But talking baseball is not something we do enough of, and we should do more of it and continue to do of it. So let's make this a regular thing. Let's keep doing this. Crosby made his debut, and I thought you did a hell of a job, Crosby. You should it's give yourself... Yeah, it really did, man. You're a natural at this stuff. And how would anybody think any less of a guy who is just a social butterfly? That's what you do, man. My loudmouthness finally has a purpose. Sweet. See? Yeah, that's what I learned about myself. Yeah, it's perfect. For, you know, out in the public, my girlfriend's like, shut up. But in here, people are like, do it, do it. So you got uh, to find your environment where you thrive best. So, Indeed. as we close out the show, let's say farewell to Paul Mamino. Paul Mamino, give us your farewell spiel. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fantasy. Like uh, Mike said earlier, you can find some of my work on Rotofanatic. Uh, ask me any questions you want about Data Monster or anything like that. This week coming up, um, or hopefully in the next week or so, I'm going to be writing about Brady Singer, like I talked about before. And um, I, I feel like the uh, the hype about him's died down a little bit. Maybe we can get some more people to yell at Dave McDonald. Uh, I'm going to write about Zach Plesek again and, and see if we can get some more people to gang up on him. But uh, that's what I kind of have coming up in the near future. So just looking forward to the season. <laughs> yeah, that one never dies. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and Crosby, farewell to you, my friend. Say goodbye to the public. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you guys can catch me on uh, Twitter at, uh, at CrosbySpencer1. Uh, if you want to read any of my stuff at Roto Fanatic, you can just uh, hit rotofanatic.com, hit on uh, Meet the Team, and hit on me, and you'll see some of my stuff. One of the articles I really liked that uh, that I wrote was I look at the uh, seven, quote-unquote, seven new ballparks uh, uh, in MLB in 2020, and it, 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 it yeah. took a look at San Francisco and Miami with new dimensions. It took, at, took a look at Salem Field, which may or may not become relevant this year. Uh uh, hitter's ballpark, by the way, in my opinion. Um, it took a look at uh, uh, the new Rangers park. And then the thing that I thought was kind of interesting, actually, was the humidor in um, at the Mets, at Boston, and at Seattle. And, you know, whenever anyone hears about the humidor, they think that that suppresses offense. Well, it's about re- the relative humidity. And in humid areas – uh, it can boost the offense. Uh, the humidor suppresses offense in dry climates like Arizona and Colorado. And there was some real evidence of that um, being uh, being the case in Boston uh, at kind of an extreme case of them going kind of middle of the pack ballpark to uh, like one of the best hitters ballparks in Seattle coming from towards the tail end to more like in the in the high teens. So it was a small sample size, but there was some stuff in there that was that I thought was interesting. So it also talks about the arches and things like that. So in San Francisco, so that's something that uh, uh, that I'd like to promote. Uh, but uh, no, I definitely appreciate the opportunity having me on for the first time and Roto Fanatic picking me up uh, last year to be part of the team, and that's something I've been wanting to do for years and years and years. 
had an absolute blast and uh, look forward to doing more often. Yeah, you're very much like you are the team. So it's not like you're just along for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) Always modest, Crosby is. I will say that about him. And so is Paul, both these guys. I got to do all the promoting for these guys, and that's fine. I'm happy to do it because I believe in what they do. And everything that we do at Road Fanatic, we try to do to help you guys have a better understanding of the game and hopefully win some cash, too. I mean, you can shove in people's faces with your championships and your money, and it'll be raining bills for all of you, hopefully. I, of course, am at MJ Govier on Twitter and Plazo Podcast, two L's, two Z's, Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Utah, give me two. That's where we do the show here. Thanks to Paul. Thanks to Crosby. Thanks to everybody who engaged with the show. We'll be back with another show later this week with SP streamer Michael Simeon. For now, Godspeed, everybody. Can you be the number one? Number one. Will you be the ace of this staff, Soroka? When you motor your pitches in the zone, I feel there's hope for more. K Soroka. Never gonna stop. Torn Achilles. Won't prevent you from being top 30. SP overall. Right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. And we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, Surprise is on our side. (laughs) At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.